Yeah. Hello. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. And we are here until 4, as we are every weekday night into the morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Love hanging out with you uh, in the uh, wee hours. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. You can call the Team Hochberg phone line at 312-981-7200. Coming up in a few minutes, our good friend Kevin Powell is going to join us from WGN Sports. He does the Sports on Rokan show every weekday afternoon. And he joins us usually, but what is it, about once a month time? Once a month usually to talk sports. Lots of sports to talk about because sports are coming back. So uh, people are going to be excited about that. Uh, Also, a little bit later on in the show, we're going to talk about the Mothman. You know the Mothman, don't you, Tom? He's scary. I think the Mothman's cool. (laughs) Great urban legend, the Mothman. So Jeff Wamsley is an author about the, he's written two books about the Mothman and he runs the Mothman Museum in West Virginia, which is the home of the Mothman. If you don't know the Mothman, we'll tell you all about him. All I know is this, the movie, The Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere, my second ex-wife, that movie scared the hell out of her. Like she would, if I suggested that I put the DVD in, she would be like, divorce. That's exactly why she divorced me. Because <laughs> I put the Mothman prophecies on one night. <laughs> Which one was uh, Waterworld? That's my first. That was your first divorce. Yeah, it was uh, because divorce. of Waterworld. Yeah. She this, she came home three times and I was watching Waterworld. She's like, what, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you need to write Kevin Costner a letter. I love that movie, man. I love that movie. One of the most underrated directors of all time, Kevin Reynolds. He's directed some so many great movies, and you know, like one eight seven seven people have seen that movie. It's the best Samuel L. Jackson performance of all time. But anyway, I digress. The Mothman Museum exists, and we're going to find out all about the Mothman. I love that stuff, man. I love it. The crazy, scary urban legends. So cool. When are we gonna? When when is Bigfoot gonna come up here to the 18th floor? Is it is his name like Jeff or something? Keith? No, it's Daryl. Daryl. Yeah. In the, in the in the progressive commercial. Yeah. Well, listen. It's Daryl. I'll I'll call Daryl's people <laughs> in the woods. What did you call me? Bigfoot. And he looks. But the, my favorite part of that commercial is he actually looks at his foot. Like he looks. He, he picks up his foot and looks at it, and then goes, "My name's Daryl." <laughs> All those commercials are funny. All of them. Um, is that progressive or that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's progressive. That's, that's flow. flow. Yeah, I love flow. We're going to talk about real animals that seem make believe. There's a lot of weird animals in the world, right? Most of them in Australia. Don't they have the weirdest animals in Australia? Yeah, I'd say so. A bunch of weirdos drinking Fosters and. Animals with 12 legs and stuff running around. So we'll talk about weird animals. You ever come across a weird animal, Tom? Uh, mm, I did I did come across a wild wallaby while I was in Australia. A wild wallaby is what? Yeah. As, as opposed to a domesticated wallaby? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got to be careful. I mean, the domesticated ones are. They're uh-huh. Everybody's got keep, one of those. Keeping them on a leash? 
at Australian Petco. We I remember when uh, my folks and I uh, had a, a possum that wouldn't leave our uh, that wouldn't leave our back porch. And those things are I mean look they're you know and it fell we we lived on the second floor and then eventually it fell off the porch and it hit the ground and then it it literally played possum like we thought it was dead and then it got up and scurried away into the alley those things are ugly they are ugly they look like giant rats but they eat ticks and help prevent Lyme disease. Oh, no, I'm not saying that they're not fine animals. I'm just saying they're not pretty. <laughs> we, could, we could have made them prettier. You oh, know? man. In his divine creation, we could have made the opossum uh, a little bit nicer looking. It was it was on the back porch behind it because we had like a, some a little, some lawn furniture and a table out on, the back, on, the, on, on our back porch. And it was under the chair. And I was coming home one night. And I came up the stairs, the back porch. I was like, what the hell is that? So we're going to talk about real animals that seem make-believe and weird animals. We're going to talk about sports teams that have disappeared, stupid legal defenses. Hey, you still got your Beanie Babies? You still got them? We'll tell you how you can make some money off your Beanie Babies. <laughs> Remember when everybody thought they were going to get rich because they had Beanie Babies? <laughs> oh, the 90s. That was the 90s, right? Yeah, that was the 90s. Beanie Babies. Oh, yeah, I can retire because I have 500 beanie babies. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It was a thing, though. I mean, it was a huge thing. So we'll tell you how you can make some money if you've got some leftover beanie babies. All that and more, 312-981-7200. We would love to hear from you. We're here to keep you company, to keep you informed, um, and to keep you going. All right, our good friend Kevin Powell from the Rocon Show does sports. We are going to talk sports with him, and that's coming up after this. My friends feel as their appointed duty. Keep trying to tell me he right. Hey, it's Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, and we're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 a.m. And uh, we're going to talk uh, with Jeff Walmsley, who is the author of a couple of books about the Mothman, and he runs the Mothman Museum. So we're going to freak out and talk about the Mothman you know, at 2.30 every uh, weekday morning, we play back some great comedy classics from the Johnny Carson Show, and you can watch the Johnny Carson Show on Antenna TV every night. It's the best. And we're going to have an interview from 1987 with the oldest active farmer in America. That's coming up on Classic Carson. So uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We'd love to hear from you, and we're here to, to keep you informed, to keep you company, and to keep you entertained. It's all about you. 312-981-7200. Hey, uh, you heard Bill Withers. That can only mean one thing. Kevin Powell. Kevin Powell does sports on the Rocon Show here on WGN. You can follow him on Twitter at kpowell720. And we have him on usually about once a month. 
to catch up on some of the sports news and things that are happening. And sports are coming back. And so uh, let's say hello to Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Nick, somebody recommended a Bill Withers documentary to me, and I haven't seen it yet, but I refer to you anything when it comes to film, documentaries, movies. Have you seen it? I, I have, believe it's I, called Still Bill. No, I have not. Okay. But I would love I to it see t- it. Yeah, somebody recommended it or threw it out there on Twitter because, you know, the past three, four months, Nick, it's been like, what do I watch next? Yeah. What do I watch next? I would watch a Bill Withers documentary in a heartbeat, man. Same. Now that I think about it, I might look it up after uh, after we finish. Yeah, our, let's see our if discussion. it's. But yes, it's available. Thanks for having me, man. It felt like it felt like forever since I was uh, on with you last. Yeah, it, it has. Uh, it's just that time has has, has slowed down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like days it, days feel like months now. So, uh, I mean, the past three four months has felt like one long day. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been just, nuts. It's, it's, it's been it's nuts. nuts. Yeah. So. All right. Well, listen, Kevin, always a pleasure. And you do sports on the Rokan show. How's that going for you? We're having fun. Well, I don't know if we should say fun. I mean, we're, we're having as much fun as we can, all things considered. Yeah. Um, still, obviously, so much to talk about. And like you said, I mean, you know what I've been saying over the past couple of months? I'm like, look, if all these pro sports leagues actually go ahead with what they're planning, the second half of the year is going to be insane when it comes to sports. Yeah. We're going to have. I mean, locally, we're going to have Blackhawks, we're going to have White Sox, we're going to have Cubs. Um, I mean, if you're a golf fan, there's some pretty big golf stuff ahead. Um, so, if it, you look, I, I, I'm sure we'll dive into all this. I don't know if for sure all these leagues are going to happen or what, what's going to happen, but if it all does play out, we're <laughs> we're in for a ride for the next uh Three, four, five months here. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And you're going to be busy as hell. <laughs> we, you know, we kind of already have. Everybody's been asking me, like, well, what have you been talking about? Well, there's kind of been news every day when it comes to the sports world. And now we're doing um, a lot of Zoom chats with the with the athletes and coaches and managers. I mean, yeah. every single day. I think we had 10 Zoom chats today alone between the Cubs, Sox, and Blackhawks. So um, there's still there's still news. I mean, there's Blackhawks news today. There's some Anthony Rizzo news, um, some White Sox stuff. So it's it's really it's, it's really started to pick up the yeah. full day. And, and it, honestly, it's awesome. It feels good. How do these Zoom How do the Zoom meetings go for you? Uh, uh, I mean, everybody's doing it now. I mean, obviously because you, you know you have to. But how how did those Zoom stuff go for you? Well, just like anything, us humans, we can find ways to adapt and and, and learn different things, and we just kind of change our. Routine when it comes to anything. Instead of standing at a guy's locker and get, putting our microphones in their face, we're sitting at a desk in front of our laptop. You know, the, the way it works is the team send out a a link to us and give us a heads up. Hey, in 30 minutes, uh, David Ross will be available on this Zoom chat link, and then they send us the link. We click on it, and then there's a password, and then you dial in, and then there's you know, anywhere from a dozen to whoever it may be, three dozen um, reporters. And everybody kind of does it a little different. You know, the Zoom chat now, you can, like, there's a raise your hand feature where you can, like, click the button and it basically gives the, um, how would I put it, like the uh, the media relations person who's kind of, you know, heading the entire thing will be like, okay, you, ra- you raised your hand virtually. So then the, the reporter will chime in and ask a question, and they'll have a camera on the, the athlete or the coach, and um, yeah. it's it's just like any Zoom chat. So, yeah. you know, it, 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 it go well for the most part, but just, you know, a lot of technical difficulties here and there, Nick, but of we're, we're kind of smoothing things out. Yeah, of course. Well, we're opening up a little bit more, but we've got to take our time make sure everybody is safe. 
So yeah, um, yeah. All right, let's talk a little Blackhawks, man. Um, they're uh, scheduled to have a uh, a series against uh, the Oilers in uh, uh, on October, October, August first in Edmonton, uh, and, uh, and 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 the NHL is still finalizing their return to play plan. What uh, what do you, what do you got about this? Yeah, well, they're getting closer to it. Obviously, the Blackhawks have been working out now for the past few days as training camp opened up on Monday. Right. Um, there was news about Dominic Kobalik. Kobalik, however you want to say it. Right. Uh, he's up for the Calder Trophy, which is essentially the Rookie of the Year for the NHL. And uh, it, God, it feels so long ago when we were t- just talking straight hockey. But, I, I mean, that was uh, every, every after every game it felt like, hey, how about Kubelik? Yeah, having a, having a pretty good game, thirty goals in sixty eight games. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there was some news there. He's a finalist among three guys, but um, yeah, you know it's interesting because there was a chance uh, Chicago was going to be one of the hub cities, and Mayor Lightfoot had talked about how she was really going to push for it. And it, and you know, I was surprised to hear it, considering our beaches aren't even open. Right, you are going to drop half the NHL, but logistically. Chicago does make a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah. In terms of you know, with the, our hotels, you have Johnny Ice House West on you know on the west side. You have the Hawks training facility, and you have the United Center if you did want to. And then of course all the other rinks in suburban areas and whatnot. So it did make sense. They didn't get it. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they wanted to go instead of having to deal because like the Toronto Blue Jays in Major League Baseball are still trying to figure out okay what are our travel restrictions going to be because right. there is the hard. Uh, restrictions between uh, the U.S. and Canada right. just for everyday citizens. So they're trying to figure that out. So I think the idea for the NHL is like, let's just put everybody over the border, get some exemptions, talk with government officials, get everybody into Canada, and then we're there. We don't have to worry about that, bouncing back and forth between the U.S. and Canada. So there was a chance that we were going to watch Blackhawks at the United Center, a slim chance. Now the Blackhawks are actually playing the Oilers in Edmonton. I don't know what sort of home – home ice advantage it has for the Oilers being in Edmonton. There's no fans in the, in the arena. Right. Um, it's basically a, a neutral playing field, you know, playing, playing rink. So um, we're getting there closer. I mean, it, there hasn't been um, an overwhelming number of positive tests in the NHL. Uh, a lot of it is going to have to come down to players being smart about it. And I don't, you know, yeah. nobody wants to be lectured at this point, but like they, they're going to have to be smart. Like you're going to be in a bubble in a hotel. <laughs> I know they're wealthy professional athletes. They're probably going to get the itch to go out and do something, but they just they can't. You know, they have to, they have to stick this thing out. But you know, so far in the NHL, so good. I think they're moving in the right direction. Um, I, I somehow feel a different sort of confidence about the NHL than others, but. Um, they're getting there, and Hawks are working out. Um, they're actually going to be off Thursday, a day off practice back at it Friday. And uh, no one knows what's going on with Corey Crawford? <sighs> it's the Corey Crawford mystery. Isn't it? Or... I mean, it's every it's 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 like every every few months there's something going on with Corey Crawford, man. I know. I know. I mean, it even dates back to what happened to a, at a, what was it, a Rise Against concert at House of Blues? Yeah, House of Blues, <laughs> yeah. House of Blues, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to speculate. Who knows what's going on in this crazy world? I, I don't want to throw anything out there. I mean, yeah. we are in pandemic. Who knows yeah. what he's dealing with? So I don't want to throw it out there. But yeah, I, I have, I've heard nothing. I've, I have no clue. But I mean, there's not a lot of time here, Nick. I mean, they're traveling in uh, a week, 10 days or so to the hub cities. Yeah. And, and, and they're, 
I mean, Jeremy Carlton's working them hard. I've been seeing a lot of, you know, Chris Bowden's been there, our uh, pre-post game host on WGN, and he's been posting a lot of stuff. Like, they're working them hard because you're not just easing into a season here. You are starting in the playoffs. Yeah. It's playoff hockey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be rough and nasty. So, um, yeah, I don't know with Crawford, uh, Nick. It, it's uh, doesn't necessarily sound necessarily sound great that he would be available for the postseason. I'm not ruling that out, but it's not trending in that direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just I, I'm I'm excited. I know it's going to be weird, but I'm excited to get hockey back, man. I, I you know I mean I missed it this I missed it since March. I'm I'm right there with you, and you know for a while when a lot of these leagues announced they were going to start back up, and even when the players started reporting, I still I still couldn't feel that energy that buzz like oh my god it's back because i like is it really back though i don't know if yeah. this is even gonna happen yeah. I'm, I'm starting i'm starting to kind of really get get into it like okay we actually might be able to pull this off but it does feel good to have sports i mean you know nbc sports chicago broadcast some white Sox stuff today yeah yeah um no I've been, I, I was, of, I, i've been watching some baseball man because uh, i need yeah. it i need it i need it um and it's weird it's weird with an empty stadium but it's better to have baseball than to not have baseball i think and as long as the players are safe and the t- coaches and everybody are you know uh remain safe and, and smart uh it, it'll be great to watch baseball you know did you know that uh it, when they when they started back playing baseball in japan just recently kevin that they actually put robots in the stands yeah, were they full blown robots or what were they doing? No, they were they were robots. They had like they were white, weird looking <laughs> robots, and they would stand up and raise their hands and do the wave and stuff. <laughs> would they would they boo the pitchers if they like walk the guy on four pitches or anything like that? Or like throw their beer on the Yeah, yeah, they're drinking beer. The robots are in the stands down in beer. <laughs> like a, yeah. Like a bleacher fight at Wrigley or something. <laughs> yeah. Well you gotta do something, man. So and I, I well, love the idea that, you know, like a lot of stadiums, um, you can um order a cardboard cutout of yourself to put in the stands. Yeah, the, the White Sox did that. The first series they're going to have that. They sold out in like less than twenty four hours. I'm not surprised so by that. You, not surprised. Yeah, that's so. It's yeah. it's amazing. All right, Kevin, hang on, okay, buddy. All right, you got it. Okay, Thanks. man. Kevin Powell is with us. He's awesome, and uh, you can hear him uh, every weekday on the Rocon Show, uh, doing WGN Sports. We got more sports to talk about, and if you want to jump in, it's three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. Coming up a little bit uh, later on, we're going to be talking about the Mothman. He's scary. Jeff Wamsley is the author of a couple of Mothman books, and he runs the Mothman Museum in West Virginia. And we're going to get creepy. Uh, We're going to talk about real animals that seem make-believe and some weird animals. Great sports teams that disappeared. Uh, and how you can make money off your uh, leftover beanie, ba- beanie babies. Tom, you got any beanie babies laying around at home? No, I don't think so. No? I, I'm pretty sure we got rid of all of them because they were in like a 400-pound crate in our closet. Uh-huh. Okay. Who knows? I could have paid for my college education. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. If only my parents were smart. Yeah. Held on to them. Held on to those beanie babies. You'd be a millionaire right now. <laughs> Kevin Powell is with us. He's our good buddy. 
does WGN uh, Sports here on the Rokan Show and joins us uh, to talk sports. Hey, Kevin, you got any Beanie Babies at home? They used to have one of the Beanie Babies that I loved. I don't. I hope this doesn't come off as embarrassing, but it was like a little, a little cow. <laughs> cow. I loved that. It was a little cow. It was like a tannish and white cow that I loved. I, I, I remember, I mean, we had a bunch of them, just like Tom. I mean, I wish you saved them. I would be able to retire now. Um, it was a little I can't remember the name. I just, I remember having this very specific Beanie Baby that was a, a little a little cow, and I, I don't know what happened to it. That's all I got for you. The baby, baby, all right, baby. the Beanie Baby cow that, uh, that yeah. Kevin loved. Uh, I'll look it up. I'll find it for you. Did you say you're going to do a segment on great sports teams that went away? I've got to listen to that. Yeah, it's uh, great sports teams that disappeared. Disappeared. Okay. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit later on. So uh, stay tuned, Kev. <laughs> I will. All right. I will. All right. Well, we uh, we have to talk about the uh, the football t- the football team in Washington um, mm-hmm. that is uh, officially uh, getting rid of the the, the Redskins um, as their nickname and their logo, and they're going to change it. They haven't they haven't announced it yet, but they're they've been talking about or what they're going to change it to. But they've been talking. Have have there been have they narrowed it down to anything? Have they do they have options? Uh, I've seen plenty of options suggested on social media. I have not seen the team actually officially release any sort of narrowing of options. I, I know a lot of people have, have thrown out red tails could be an option. Um, look, bottom line is I, I am a, I can't even like say the name. It's just so on the nose, like blatantly a racial slur. It's like yeah. I, you know, even when I was reporting out the day it happened, I think I said the name once, and then I just kept referring to them as the Washington Football Team. Right. Um, it, it was so obvious to, to move on from that. I mean, it's you know the team that that team name was around for eighty seven years and shows you the sign of the times, Nick. Where in a matter of two three months, the momentum that is, has been going on um, forced an NFL team to change its name. So that one to me just seems so on the nose. I don't know if you want to do a deep, a deep dive into team names here, but like, I mean, look, we can talk about. Blackhawks. We can talk about Chiefs. We can talk about Braves. I think those are you can have some serious, honest conversations, and you can listen to the people that actually have you know reason to to believe whether it's okay or not okay. Um, but that one was pretty much like okay, let's let's move on from that. That's pretty blatantly yeah. a uh, a racial slur in well, many ways. There, there, you know, there there are people who are calling for you know like the Blackhawks, uh, like you said, and the Chiefs and the Braves. Uh, to make some changes as well, the Blackhawks released a statement though about the about the the history of the name and who it's who mm-hmm. the team the team is named after, and uh, and and how it's uh, and how you know they they do it respectfully. Um, yeah, and and, yeah. and I'll say this like, and I'm not just saying this, and I'm, I'm full honesty, I'm not just saying this because we're with the Blackhawks, but they really have done it about as right as you can possibly do it. I mean, they do it. They, they communicate with a lot of Native American um, organizations within the Chicago area, and the statement they put out really laid it all out. Like, they do everything they possibly can to respect it. Yeah. Um, and if you do look at the origin of it, of it all, it's kind of tough to argue against it, but I'm I'm not the right person to say yes yeah, or of no. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying that I think the Blackhawks organization has done everything you you should can you 
you should do and can do. So right. I'll say that. So, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where you can probably go on an endless debate, and some of us that, uh, you know, it's not really our decision. I think we should listen to the people that it may directly affect. Right. Um, so, but, yeah, I think, you know, Washington is a whole different ballgame than, than I think a handful of other team nicknames in pro, in pro sports. Well, and, and you know, uh, Cleveland, uh, you know, the, the Cleveland Indians mascot, Chief Wahoo, is – uh, pretty offensive. And, oh yeah. I mean, has now is 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 he still on the caps? Is he still he's gone? No. Right? They've taken him. They've 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 gotten rid of Chief Wahoo, right? Yeah. Well, that was that was a. I've there's just so much information right now. I did, I do believe I saw something that the, there is some apparel you can find. I don't know if it's officially licensed gear that does feature him, but um, for the most part, though, the organization has eliminated that. I mean, there's no Indian head on on their on their caps anymore. They right. just go with. I think it's just, it's a, just a C. A C. Yeah, it's yeah, just a C. a C now. Yeah. So, you know, again, I you know, I'm not the right person to say yes. It's wrong to have a team name Indians or no. It's it's not right. I mean, right. it's it's it, it's it is what it is. I think with Chief Wado was ridiculous. I mean, completely, <laughs> completely. So, They've they've pretty much done away with that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, it's in the conversation, you know, Kev. I just wanted to mention it. Uh, you know. Yeah. No. For sure. Everybody. everybody's you been... could talk hours about that. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yep. All right. Well, let's get into some uh, some baseball here. Uh, what do you think about? What are some of the big questions about the shortened season of baseball? Well, just I think how games are going to be managed. Um, how how does David Ross handle lineups? How does he handle pitching? I think is a huge thing. Yeah. How does Ricky Renteria do it? I mean, it's all these starting pitchers we talked to have been like, oh, yeah, I think I can, you know, start with, you know, go four or five innings. I could probably, maybe if I do well, I can get to seven innings. But with the expanded rosters, at least to start, and I'm curious to see if, because the way it's going to work, just to, just to yeah, lay it out. Give there, it, yeah, let's lay it out so, so people understand what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, so the first two weeks of the season, they're going to have a 30 man roster to work with. That'll be your active roster. Um, like in your in your dugout, you have thirty guys to work with. Um, and it was supposed to be your typical. It was twenty five. They were getting ready to bump it up to twenty six, but just under the circumstance, they said, "Okay, we'll start the season. You can have thirty players to work with for all the obvious reasons. I mean, potential illness, uh, pitchers are, might not be fully ready to go, uh, injuries. I mean, you miss ten days now. That's." One sixth of your season. Yeah, yeah. So those things can so those those things considered. Now they do have something called the taxi squad, and the White Sox taxi squad started working out uh, at Schomburg Boomer Stadium. They kind of revamped things and got it ready for the players. So right now they have sixteen guys there that are working out. Those guys they'll be able to essentially. Let's say a handful of guys got sick. You can basically pluck a bunch of guys from your taxi squad and put them on your 30-man active roster. Okay. Uh, And the Cubs have guys down at their South Bend affiliate, South Bend in Indiana, um, working out. And that's what they're referring to as taxi squad. The taxi squad is essentially like just guys that are working out that if blank hits the fan, Nick, you can pluck from that and put guys in and join the active roster. I hope all that made sense. I know yeah. there was a lot there. <laughs> so after the first two weeks of the season, the active roster will go down to 28. And then the, after another couple of weeks, it'll go down to the originally planned 26-man roster. But you still will have access to that taxi squad throughout the season. 
The whole se- um, the whole season, you can have access to the taxi squad. Yes, unless I'm I'm ninety five percent sure that'll run through the entire season just okay. because of the uncertainties that are there. I can yeah yeah, yeah. Um, apologize. There's just so much I'm like relearning like how pro sports leagues are being are handling their seasons. But I'm almost positive that they'll have that available um, throughout the uh, throughout the entire season. So. It's kind of interesting, though, because a lot of guys you would never think even had a shot at making the big leagues this year. Like, for example, the White Sox drafted a guy named Garrett Crochet, a left-handed pitcher. He was their first-round draft pick this year. He's on their taxi squad. And you don't really see often in baseball a guy get drafted and then immediately go to the big leagues because normally they develop for a couple of years in the sure. minors, sure, one year, yeah. two years, three years, and yeah. then they bring them up. I mean, there is a potentially a wild scenario where you could see the guy they drafted a handful of weeks ago already on the big league club. That's probably not going to happen, but it could happen because we don't know how this is going to play out. So uh, I guess um, after we laid all that out, I guess for me the biggest thing is just how managers are going to manage games. Like there's the strategy is going to be so much different. There's a yeah. three batter rule now. Um, if you're if you bring in a reliever, they have to face three batters. Uh-huh. Um. So you can't do this thing where you bring in a lefty to face a lefty or ready to, and they pitch two pitches to get the guy out, and then they bring in the next guy from the bullpen. So there's just so much to factor into it, and, and there will be. Uh, I know people are like, well, I'll take strategy away when you have universal DH. There is never going to have to be more strategy for a big league manager than this season. Yeah. I mean, there, there is just so much to factor in here. And the and the uh, the that extra inning rule where uh, uh, there's a guy on second to start the extra innings that's 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 still applicable, right? That's happening. Tenth inning, the guy will start on second again. So let's think of the scenarios there. I mean, let's say because whoever's going to start on second is the is uh, I believe it's the the last guy to make an out. Um, so let's say there's two outs and it's tied. And the fastest guy is up to bat, and there's nobody on base, and he's down 0-2 in a count. Does the manager tell him just to strike out? Oh, so he sure, the, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. starts the next inning on second base, and like let's say it's Billy Hamilton, who's impossible to get out. Hey, Billy, go up there and just strike out. There's nobody on base. You're not going to hit home run. The next inning, you're going to be on second base to start extra inning. So I'm not a huge fan of that rule. I mean, I'm not I'm not against thinking outside the box when it comes to a season like this, but again. That's something that we can that you're going to have to consider. Yeah, that's that's it's so strange. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah, so, I know. It's so strange. But we got it. You know, these are the these are the things that we have to deal with if we want if we want baseball to be back. So you know, it it's something it's better than nothing, yeah, right? Absolutely. All right, Kevin, hang on, okay, buddy. All right, you got it. Yeah, Kevin Powell's with us. Uh, he does sports on the Rocon Show right here on 720 WG and weekday afternoons. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at kpowell720. Uh, more sports talk coming up right here on 720 WGN. You're looking kind of lonely, girl. Would you like someone new to talk to? Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, real quick, we just want to wish a happy birthday to our loyal listener, Russell, who's celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday, Russell. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about some of the greatest sports teams that have disappeared. 
Uh, we've got Jeff Wamsley who's going to join us. He is an author of two books about the Mothman, and we're going to—he's the founder of the Mothman Museum. So we're going to get creepy and talk about the Mothman. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Kevin Powell is my guest right now. You can hear him doing sports on the Rokan Show every afternoon right here on 720 WGN. Hi, Kevin. You know, I've been thinking a lot about how people, you know, I've covered sports now and just talking about sports and just being a sports junkie, and a lot of people would roll their eyes in sports and be like, ah, it's just sports. It's just a game. I'm like, is it just sports now? Now that we look at it, there's billions of dollars and everyone's dying for sports to come back. Yeah. And there are thousands of jobs on the line right now. Is it just sports? I don't think so. It's an entire industry. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. Um, all right, listen, let's break down the uh, the Cubs schedule and the Sox schedule. What's it looking like? Uh, so let's, start with the, let's start with the Cubs. Uh, Cubs are, uh, oh my God, I'm almost blanking right now. Well, they, we, we will have actually here on WGN Radio, we're going to have the first exhibition game, which is Cubs and Sox. That's Sunday already, Nick. Oh, okay. That's going to be at Wrigley. We'll have that at 630 on WGN. First pitch just after five. Awesome. Andy Mazur, by the way. Is oh, be Andy Mazur doing play-by-play. How about that? Good for him, <laughs> no, man. Yeah. Couldn't, God, happen to, couldn't, ha- couldn't happen to a nicer guy, I got to say. He, He's awesome. So yeah. happy for Andy um, filling in for uh, the, the late great Ed Farmer. Yeah. Um, so Andy will be on Sunday, and then Monday they're going to play another one. That'll be on the south side, though. So there's two exhibition games, and then there's one more for the Sox. Sox are going to be – so right now they're both going to start July 24th. That's a Friday. Um, and you're going to see more like Friday and weekday games uh, – I should say weeknight games at Wrigley than we've ever seen before. Yeah. Actually – uh, Mayor Lightfoot was actually asked about that, um, and I think they still have to actually vote it through. You yeah, know, it's not official yet. Game, it's not official yeah. yet. Yeah, I listen. I it listen. I grew. A, I grew up six blocks away. From, I grew up six blocks away from Wrigley Field, man. <laughs> I know. So you, you, so you get it. I, yeah. I, I know you get it. So um, I, I don't know. I was gonna, about to say I would be surprised if they say no to that, but who knows with Chicago? I don't know. Right. Um, so we might see see some more. Um, night games. But, you know, the gist of it is when it comes to the schedule, it's regional. You're going to play majority of the games against your division and then the, the opposite division. So AL versus um, AL Central versus the NL Central. So we'll see the Cubs and Sox play um, and then everybody else will play their own di- um, division as well. So, I mean, that's that's when we're going to get into like the real nitty-gritty of this. Like, okay, you're going to start flying to other cities. Like, how is this going to go? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. right right now you're just going home and you're going back to the ballpark and you're getting tested up every other day. When we start seeing these guys get on planes on a, you know every couple of days and heading to new towns, um, that's when things will get interesting. But it's, you know, again, back to the strategy part of it. I mean, this is – it's going to feel kind of like playoff baseball every single night, Nick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Sixty games. I don't think you can lose your season in a week, but I mean, if you have two bad weeks in a row, you're in some serious trouble. Absolutely. Yeah. So every uh, ga- every I'm, game every game counts, man. It's only sixty games. Every game counts. You know, it's interesting, and then I always like to look at the Vegas win totals, and not even just for betting purposes, because Vegas is almost like spot on when it comes to anything gambling, whether it's an over under or win totals, and like, right. if you look at it, like. It's it's everybody like not that far off from win totals, and I think that tells you a lot about the season. Where even Vegas is like, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like a couple of teams are 
you know, a few games ahead of everybody, but I think the Cubs and Sox are both around like 34th, like between 33 and 35 wins projections from Vegas. And there's a lot of teams right there in the middle. I mean, there's a, there's a couple teams that are low, like in the twenties and a couple like the Yankees and Dodgers near like upper or um, upper thirties, lower forties, just about everything you look. But I just think it's, I think it's just so open just because we don't know. I mean, if a team gets hot, a team gets hot, even if they might not have the same amount of talent as another team. We just, we simply don't know how the season's going to play. Like, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, rating's going to be through the roof. Everyone's going to be watching this, and yeah. it's going to be intense. As strange as it might be, that might actually add to the lure for some people. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a complete sprint and not a marathon, and baseball is built off a marathon of a season, 162-game seasons. Um some people don't like it, but it does It does kind of always weed out the best teams that go to the postseason because there is the ebbs and flows of baseball where 60 right. games is – I mean, that's to me, I love the 162 because it's like fluky seasons happen here and there. Absolutely, but they, yeah. They, but they kind of get weeded out in baseball. Like, you know who the best teams are when postseason, show, when postseason arrives. Right now, I have no idea. I have no idea what this is going to look like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's 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 interesting that I mean I, like you said everybody really wants you know sports to be back and they want baseball to be back and it's it's uh, it's it's kind of uh, interesting that this is the first year that Marquee is going to broadcast the Cubs and <laughs> yeah, you know I mean it's, it's, it's a sports network isn't it inter- interesting right I mean that this is this is happening right now <laughs> as the Cubs switch over to Marquee do you have do you have Marquee I do not. Neither do I, but I have Comcast, and I'm really trying to figure out how I'm going to watch these games considering I cover baseball for the radio station. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have it. I mean, we're a handful of days away. Marquee and Comcast do not have a deal done. Yeah, I have, I mean, com- I have Comcast as well. So, uh, yeah, it's the largest cable provider in the Chicagoland area. Yeah. So, I mean, I... Guessing they're going to get something done, but you know, the, uh, I think it was today actually was the first time they broadcast the intra squad scrimmage at Wrigley, almost like what the Sox were doing on NBC Sports. And everyone's on Twitter like, I can't watch it. We can't watch it. We don't know what's happening. Like, that's cool they're doing it, but nobody can watch it right now. So, right. Um, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's. I, I was kind of joking. I'm like, okay, worst timing to launch a sports network. Absolutely. And then, <laughs> Absolutely. And then. And then worse timing for a state to legalize sports books. Rivers Casino opened a sports book, and two days later, the entire sports world shut down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, bad timing all around. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a weird time right now in the world, Kev. It's just so. There's. Yeah. It's just so strange. Well, we'll see what happens with it. I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, you know, uh, keeping tabs on what's going on with the with the Cubs and 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 the Sox. A Sox schedule looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I think most of August they're home almost the entire time because if you look at, it, I think they have a seven game stretch at home, and then a next two or three game series. I want to say in mid August is against the Cubs at Wrigley. And then they go back to technically a home set. So I think like I want to say like seventy five percent of the time they're home in August. That's I mean that's big, right? Because yeah. of all things considered, you're home for you know when things are kind of probably going to be settling in. You know, a couple weeks into the season, um, August is looking like the Sox will be, you know, technically in Chicago the entire time, despite a couple of road games, but they'll be at Wrigley. So. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of buzz around the White Sox, Nick. There's a lot yeah. of buzz, and you got a lot of young, hungry guys, and they're built for a sprint too. So, uh, I'm just—it's been so fun to watch some of the videos and highlights of those guys, even just over the past week or so. Yeah, especially you know, even all the way back to March. So, yeah, it looks good. Um, I'm happy we'll be having the games here on WGN. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and that game on uh, August 13th at the uh, Field of Dreams uh, in Iowa—that's going to be pretty awesome. Can't wait for that. That's going to be super cool. It's supposed to be uh, White Sox Yankees. Now it's going to be White Sox Cardinals because right. of the regional restrictions. Right. And then now they said if you go to August, or to Iowa, you got to quarantine if you come back to Chicago. So That's... they're going to need a whole other exemption from them. They'll be there. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Hey, uh, real quickly, um, what, 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 where are we looking at? To, has, has anybody said anything about when Rizzo is going to come back from the back injury? No, we talked to him today. It's day-to-day. This is something he's dealt with his entire career. He always kind of misses a game or two because of his stiff back, probably over the last five, six years. Yeah. Um, he says he doesn't think he'll have to go to the injured list. Might have to miss a couple games to start the season. But he says some days he feels perfectly fine, and then some days the pain comes back. So uh, back pain for anybody is bad, especially a baseball player who's torquing their back on a day-to-day basis over and over again. So yeah. that's kind of up in the air. I really don't have a great answer for you other than he doesn't think he's going to go on the injured list. Okay. All right. Well, we're you know we're hoping he comes back. You know, he's a, he's a, sure. he is it's a, a key component to that team, man. You know, there's no, there's no question about it. No question about it. All right. Well, uh, Kev, uh, sports are sports are back. You got to be happy about that, even though some some of the some of the changes are a little weird, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, it took a little bit for me to really start to kind of feel the hype and build build around it just because I'm like, I don't know if this is going to happen, but starting to kind of feel like it is, but that could change tomorrow and then change the next day. I've kind of been up and down about it. But, yeah, just to actually watch some real competition – and the most competitive people on the planet go head to head. I I I can't wait to see it all play out. So we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. Nick. We're getting there. It's going to be weird to watch hockey in July. I'll tell you. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> going to be hiding our sweaters. Exactly. <laughs> well, and you cover it all on the uh, on the Rocon Show uh, right here on seven twenty WGN. People can follow you on Twitter at K Powell. That's P O W E L L K Powell seven twenty. All right. Thanks, Kev. You got it, Nick. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Be well, be safe. I don't know how to sign off anymore. I think everybody's tired of being told to be well and safe. All right. Well, you be well and be safe, my friend, okay? (laughs) You got it, Nick. All right. Take care, buddy. There you go. Kevin Powell, uh, you can hear him every weekday afternoon on the Rokan Show covering sports for us here right on WGN. Uh, And speaking of sports, we're going to jump into uh, the greatest pro sports teams that disappeared. Um, We're going to... Talk about that, and uh, and if you want to jump in, it's 312-981-7200. So some of these are, uh, I don't even, I don't, boy, some of these are, are kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love defunct sports teams, or sports teams that changed cities and had to uh, change their name. Yeah. I love it, and trying to find, like, hats or shirts with the old name on it, and have yeah, to ask you, well, like, you, where's that team from? Yeah, you have you you have a tendency to like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've, like I'm obsessed with the Minnesota North Stars. Right, I know, super obsessed with them. D- I don't know why. Dino Cicerelli. <laughs> you put respect on that name. Stand you put that guy. I can't on that stand name. that guy. Dino Cicerelli, <laughs> one of the biggest goons in the history of hockey. That's why he's amazing. Oh please. All right. All right. Uh, sports teams, great pro sports teams that have disappeared over the years. 312-981-7200. And we'll do that right after the news, which is now. 
is that? A little uh, Art of Noise. Art of Noise? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember they had that video with the weird girl in it. Which one was that? I don't know. She would just go, hey! Just a weird little girl. A fascinating group. Art of Noise. Good lord. What is this, 1982? What? Yeah, I mean, prove it. Uh, could be at 1982. Time means nothing anymore. Art of Noise. You know, people paid to see them in concert. Good money. Come on, man. Money well spent. Hey, uh, you scared of the Mothman? At all, Tom? Uh, you know, I, I see him as more of a benevolent figure. Uh, just trying to warn people. It's just unfortunate no. that he's a giant moth. He killed 47,000 people. I, I, don't, I don't think that's <laughs> what that's about. He didn't. He didn't. He was warning people about that bridge. Yes. Anytime he appears, bad stuff happens. He's an omen. Well, a couple of years ago, the Mothman was being sighted around this city all over the place. We actually, I, I was producing a night in that fateful summer of 2018, and the Mothman called in. <laughs> we talked to the Mothman. Who, what show were you producing? It was... Uh, if, oh God, it was Kevin, um, I can't, it was, it was a fill-in. It was, it was an overnight fill-in. Okay. And, uh. A guy named Kevin? Yeah, Kevin and Michael, uh, Michael Heideman. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, they were. So the Mothman called in. The Mothman called in. Uh Uh-huh. We talked to the Mothman. Uh Uh-huh. He seemed like a pretty good guy. Has he met Richard Gere? Um, (laughs) That would be my first question. Honestly, you know, he didn't he didn't mention it, but I think he was playing coy. Uh-huh. You know, if you've met Richard Gere, you keep that in the back pocket. Was that was it Laura Linney? Laura Linney, Deborah Messing. Right. And uh Will Patton. And Will Pat Will I love Will Patton. He's great. I love Will Patton. What the hell is that movie with uh Kevin Costner? Um Sean Young. It's it's a great movie, and I can't remember the name of it. You'd, you'd think I'd remember the name of the movie. Well, I always think of Will Patton's greatest performance. In? Armageddon. Get out of here, man. This movie with, that I'm talking about with Sean Young and Kevin Costner. It's from the 80s. It's a great movie. A great movie. And, uh, and Will Patton is amazing in it. No Way Out? No Way Out. Gene Hackman, right? Hackman's in it. It's Sean Young, Gene yeah. Hackman... Kevin Costner, Will Patton. Well, don't forget George Zunza. George Zunza. You ever see, hey, have you ever seen The Beast? Yeah. The Tank movie? Yeah. Where he plays Tank Boy? Yeah. Unbelievable movie. Again, Kevin Reynolds. Kevin Reynolds, who directed Waterworld, directed that movie. Five people saw it. It's great. Anyway, we're going to be talking with Mothman Man. Is that, is that his nickname? He's the Mothman Man? Jeff, I don't know why I'm such an idiot. I don't know why I'm cracking up over that. Jeff Wamsley is the author of Mothman, The Facts Behind the Legend, and Mothman Behind the Red Eyes. He's the founder of the Mothman Museum, which is in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. The Mothman is awesome. So we're going to talk about the creepy Mothman. 
uh, after 1 o'clock. So we were just talking uh, sports with our good buddy Kevin Powell. And now we're going to talk about great pro sports teams that disappeared. Yeah, does anybody remember some uh, pro sports teams that no longer uh, exist? 312-981-7200. Rumors are swirling about the Tampa Bay Rays moving for at least part of the season to Montreal. This serves us as a reminder, though the franchises in four major U.S. sports may seem like long-standing, solid institutions, many teams have moved, failed, or disappeared over the years. The history books of NFL, NHL, NBA, and MLB are littered with lost or long-forgotten franchises that once played at the highest level of sports. Uh, teams can disappear for a number of reasons. They move the franchise or they close down. Uh, so here are some of the uh, great sports teams that disappeared. How about the Washington Senators? Washington Senators, they were active from in the MLB. From 1901 to 1960. Really? 1960? Oh, man. Okay. I thought it was later than that. A new Senators team emerged in 61 and then left for Texas after the 71 season. Bad luck. Yeah. Um, some of these I, I are bringing back major. I'm looking at, at this list. Some of them are bringing back memories to me. Senators is one of them. I just thought they were active from for, uh, past 1960. Because that's five years before I was born. I thought they were still around when I was when I was a kid. Well, they still had they had that other senators as they mentioned. Oh, right. Yeah, that was but it was a, technically a different team under I the see. same name. Yeah. Which is always weird. It's always weird. Yeah. So, all right. Uh what about this? Uh great sports t- pro teams that have disappeared. 312-981-7200. Phone lines are open. We would love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio, here until 4, as we are every weekday uh, morning. Uh, Classic Johnny Carson. We always play uh, some clips. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV. We're going to play an interview from 1987 with the oldest active farmer in America. (laughs) 312-981-7200. We're also going to talk about real animals that seem make-believe and some of the weirdest animals that you can imagine. And as we uh, have decided, most of them are in Australia. Now we're talking about great pro sports teams that disappeared. 312-981-7200. Give us a call if you uh, remember some sports teams that have disappeared over the years. 312-981-7200. How about the Hartford Whalers? Um, they were uh, WHA and NHL hockey. They were active from 1972 to 1997. They won one championship. 
The New England Whalers won the first championship in the Upstart World Hockey Association in 1973 and made the playoffs in each WHA season. The Whalers moved from Boston, Massachusetts to Hartford, Connecticut in 1974 and became one of the WHA teams to join the NHL for the 79-80 season. Interest in the team declined, and the team left for North Carolina in 1997, becoming the Hurricanes. Ah, the Hartford Whalers. I really like them. Great logo. Yeah. Yeah, It's. A, I think it's a great name for a hockey team. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I, I wouldn't mind still having a, a hockey team outside the Bruins up in the, uh, the Northeast. Because yeah. it's just the Bruins, right? In the Northeast? Yeah, like, I mean, like, in the New England area. Oh. Like, everybody just coalesces around the Bruins, really. It is, I think, just the Bruins, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, how about the Buffalo Bisons? They were uh, in the NFL. They were active from 1920 to 1929 with zero championships. Buffalo had one of uh, America's first pro football franchises. The Buffalo All-Americans were founded in 1920 as part of the inaugural season of the American Professional Football Association, later renamed the National Football League two years uh, later. The team later changed its names to the Rangers and Bisons before folding in the 1929 season. Uh, Baltimore Orioles. Well, this is a different... uh, this is a different team than what what's because this was they were active eighteen eighty two to eighteen ninety nine. Though the Baltimore Orioles are a current MLB team, their name dates back to eighteen eighty two. The first Orioles played for eighteen seasons in early iterations of professional baseball. The team spent ten seasons in the American Association and eight in the National League. Um, but uh, but was one of four teams that folded. When the NL contracted uh, contracted for the uh, 1899 season, the current Baltimore Orioles franchise moved to Maryland from St. Louis, Missouri in 1954. Oh, how about this? The Quebec Nordiques. The Nordiques. Oh, you got to love that. Active from 1972 to 1995, only won one championship. The Quebec Nordiques were one of the few teams that were able to join the NHL from the WHA starting in the 1979-1980 season. The team won one WHA championship, made the playoffs seven of its first eight NHL seasons, and became the first Canadian hockey team to leave for the U.S. when the team became the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, wow. Uh, And then adding insult to injury, the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup in its first season in Colorado. That's true. (laughs) That's true. That's great. Oh, man. Let me throw this. Can we consider all the XFL teams now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what was the, the Chicago team. Oh boy, I, I I don't know what it was because there was the there was the XFL back in '01. Yeah, right? the original XFL. Well, they didn't launch. They were supposed to launch again, and they didn't. They this year they they played like a couple games because they had here. Here's who they had: the Dallas Renegades, uh huh, the Houston Roughnecks. The Los Angeles Wildcats, Seattle Dragons, D.C. Defenders, New York Guardians, St. Louis Battle Hawks, and the Tampa Bay Vipers. Wasn't there a Chicago team? 
Uh, there may have been one in the 2001. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's that, see. That back in the when the original uh, XFL, there was a Chicago team. And wasn't one of the guys wasn't one of the guys uh, on one of the teams named He Hate Me? Like the Spike Lee movie? <laughs> he Hate Me. That uh, I'm almost positive that there was a guy who had a who was who his name on his jersey was He, he Hate, hate Me. me. <laughs> it was the Chicago Enforcers. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that's that's <laughs> twice that Vince McMahon has tried to start this up. And it's just it's just Oh, did, did, did you know? Because the first the first game, the the ratings were huge, and then it sucked. So nobody started, and, and they had a full season that they had to get through. Yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. V- McMahon lost a lot of money. Oh, I on bet that. he did. I bet he did. But uh, they they played this most recent one, the twenty twenty XFL. I guess was founded in twenty eighteen, and its inaugural season was twenty twenty. They played for only five weeks. And the inaugural season came to a close on March eighth of twenty twenty. Well, because of the the whole because of the th- everything shut down. Yeah. Um, um. And then they filed for bankruptcy three days yeah. uh, after they stopped day to day operations yeah, and laid off its entire staff. Crazy. Yeah, but I'm telling you, there was a guy named He Hate Me. I'm gonna look this guy up. He look hate up me? He Hate Me XFL. Just Google XFL He Hate Me. Because uh, I'm positive that there, there was just a dude who had he hate me on his uniform. Yeah, <laughs> Rod Smart. Rod Smart was his name. Yeah, Torald Deshaun Rod Smart. He uh, played for the Las <laughs> the Las Vegas Outlaws, where he was known by the nickname He Hate Me. Right. He then joined the Edmonton Eskimos of the Canadian Football League before signing with the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is all in 2001. He played for the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet his jersey didn't when he was with the it Eagles. Did his, it did not me. say he hate me. That's no. an X. That's an XFL thing. Uh, ended up playing with the Panthers for a bit, including the NFC Championship team in '03. Spent time with the Raiders in '06. Uh huh. Well, so. he he had an NFL career. Yeah, not bad for a guy for named he hate, he hate me. me. <laughs> that's the only thing that I remember about the XFL is that is the the dude named he hate me. That's the that's the only thing that I remember. Uh, here's Brian on WGN. Go ahead, Brian. How you doing? Good. Uh, we're talking about the old uh, sports teams that ain't around, and I just thought of another one right now, and I wasn't sure if it was mentioned. Uh, what about the Chicago Black Sox? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then we can jump into, if we want to go into more hockey, got the World Hockey League with the Chicago Cougars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the USFL with Chicago Blitz. Yeah, oh, the Blitz, yeah. I remember the Blitz. Okay. Um, then if you would even jump back to baseball, I, like I said, I kind of caught you in the middle of the show because I was actually emailing you with a picture because you were talking about the cutouts, and I got a picture of me and Mitchell at a gas station. But Mitchell ain't real. It's a Gatorade cutout. But I did email it to you. I don't know if you opened it up. But that's me right there. But uh, the pilots we did, I thought about that one, the Black Sox. And then when I caught on, I think you guys were talking about the St. Louis Browns. We did mention them, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. What about the Colorado Rockies hockey team? Uh, yeah, the Rock. Well, the Colorado Rockies are a baseball team. I don't remember them. I don't remember mm-hmm. the hockey team. Okay, uh, Brian, thanks for the call. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. What about the Philadelphia Athletics? 
The, the Athletics. They were in AA baseball, 1882 to 1890 they played. They were one of the better teams in the American Association, an early professional baseball organization in the late 1800s. Um, but the creation of the Players League in 1890 drove up player salary and drove the A's out of business. A new athletics franchise popped up in 1901. It moved from Kansas City in 1955 then to Oakland in 1968, where they remain to this day. Houston Oilers. Mm. Yeah, Houston Oilers. Active from uh, 1960 to 1996. Players like George Blanda, Billy Cannon, the Houston Oilers were the class of uh, the AFL winning its first two championships. The Oilers joined the NFL... Uh, in 1970, remained in Houston until 1997 when owner Bud Adams moved the team to Tennessee and changed the name to the Titans two years later. The Houston Texans took their place in 2002. Uh, the Cincinnati Royals, from ba- a basketball team from 1948 to 1972. I have no memory of that. Um. Cincinnati Royals date back to 1948 and the Basketball Association of America, which later became the NBA. The Royals won the second ever NBA championship in 1951. Uh, The Royals moved to Kansas City in 1972, changed their name to the Kings before settling in Sacramento in 1985. I haven't even thought of the Sacramento Kings in years. I forgot that was a team. Yeah. Yeah, some of these I don't, uh, you know. Okay, well, the Akron Indians, active from 1920 to 1926, and they were a football team. They won one championship. Ohio is the birthplace of modern football. The Akron Indians were one of the teams to help launch the NFL's precursor, the American Professional Football Association. The team, then known as the Akron Pros, (laughs) the Akron Pros, um, won the first ever APFA championship in 1920, going undefeated with eight wins and three ties. Despite success on the field, Akron's team was one of 12 squads that folded after the 1926 uh, season to cut down on financial weak on financially weak franchises. Here's one: the Seattle SuperSonics. NBA basketball from 68 to 2008, one championship. The Seattle Supersonics are one of the most recently defunct franchises in uh, American pro sports. The Sonics enjoyed four decades of success and support in Seattle, Washington, including the 1979 NBA title. But the Supersonics were purchased by Oklahoma City businessman Clay Bennett in 2006 and moved to Oklahoma soon after. All right. Missed the Sonics. Loved the Sonics. Yeah. All right, if you uh, want to jump in here, we're talking about uh, sports teams, pro sport teams uh, that have uh, that have disappeared. Uh, and we would love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. Nick DiGilio on WGN. Yeah. Tight pants points She was a black beauty Hey, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio and we're here until four o'clock. If 
you want to join us, it's 312-981-7200. We're going to talk about the Mothman after 1 o'clock with uh, Jeff Wamsley, who is uh, author of two Mothman books, and he runs the Mothman Museum in uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, the home of the Mothman. Ooh. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Uh, we're going to talk about real animals that are just weird and uh, expensive mistakes as well and stupid legal defenses. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Greatest pro sports teams that have disappeared is the uh, is the subject if you want to jump in. If you remember some sports teams that no longer exist. I'm, you know, I miss the XFL. You miss it. You miss it. It hardly exists. I miss arena football. Oh, that was great. Football. The Chicago Rush. Yeah, that's right. That's owned, wasn't it owned by Mike Ditka? Did Ditka own the Chicago he, Rush? He either owned it or he was coaching it. <laughs> I don't remember. Arena football. I played that out at uh, it's like Rosemont, right? Yeah, yeah, Rosemont Horizon or. Uh, Whatever the hell, now it's all state arena. It's always going to be the horizon for me. Yeah. They uh, qualified for the playoffs 12, 11 out of 12 seasons. Wow. Not bad. Not bad for a, a very strange sport. Yeah, I don't even remember the rules. I know that uh, the, 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 the field the was smaller. field was much smaller, right? Much smaller. And you could like... I don't know. You could you could like bounce the ball. It was weird. Or you could bounce uh, the ball. I could, you could like spike it. It was a little bit. It was a little bit like Australian rules football. It was a football like a regular football shape. It was regular football shape, but I I believe it would had a greater bounce to it. Why would you want to bounce a football? I, I don't know. I, I'm going off of very hazy memories. Yeah, I don't. I just remember it existed. <laughs> you never got to go to a game. No. I used to go I, with uh, when I was in Boy Scouts. Got free tickets to the Chicago Rush yeah. all the time. They needed butts and seats. You know what? I get uh, free tickets to all the time every year because I was I. You know, if you if you maintain a great grain point average, or in my case, if you have good attendance, because you know my grade point average wasn't very good, but if you had like good attendance, you didn't miss any school. You get free socks tickets. We used to get free White Sox tickets. Uh, when I was in grade school, I used to get free White Sox tickets all the time because I would because I had great attendance. I'd show up at school, didn't have incredible grades, but at least you were but there. I was there, physically present, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not mentally. <though>. No, <laughs> actually, in, in grade school, I wasn't a complete idiot. It was high school when when the when the brain fell out. <laughs> I just didn't care. Like by my senior year, I was like, all right. Whatever I'm here. We're still getting free socks tickets. The only thing that I no not not in high school. This was in public school, Chicago public schools. But in in, in high school, the only class I cared about my senior year was, uh, and I've mentioned this teacher on the air before, Ann Rundio, Miss Rundio. She taught um, a you know English and writing class. Toughest teacher I ever had in my life, and she was the only one who motivated me because I hated her. And I wanted to impress her. I was like, I got to do well because I can't stand this woman. And then years later, I realized she's the best teacher I ever had. W- without question, the best teacher I ever had. That's the way it goes. Yeah. It was so cool that I got to go back and hang out with her. 
you know, when I when I went back to Luther North, Luther North, that's where I went to high school. Luther North asked me to speak at their graduation. You know, and I was like, you guys realize that like I had, you know, a pretty massive amount of detentions and I graduated with a 2.2. I think you you want me to speak to the students. And the principal at the time was Mr. Daly, who was a science teacher back when I was at school. Um, and he's like, you got a radio show. It's just, you know, <laughs> wing it. <laughs> just, you know, that's why you're going to be here. Yeah, you were a bad student. <laughs> Big whoop. But you got a radio show now. You did something with your life. Kinda. What was your ma- What was the mascot for Wildcats? It was Wildcats. Yeah, I wore the Wildcat costume once. You were the mascot. Yeah, at oh, a man. at a football game, and I was running around on the field and stuff. And they got real mad at me. <laughs> I bet. One of the biggest regrets. And by the way, of the, of the I, Wildcat mascot. Can I program. just say? Can I just say? Um, that that costume, uh, the the aroma was not pleasant. In that in that mascot costume, I remember putting it on, going, "What? Whoa! It, do you do you ever clean this, or at least maybe spray a little Lysol?" Oh, yeah. So uh, we got uh, great pro sports teams that are no longer around. Um, and uh, if you want to jump in, it's three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Uh, how about the Utah Stars? It was ABA basketball, sixty-seven to seventy-seven to so seventy-six. They played. They had one championship. Uh, the Utah Stars franchise got its start as the Anaheim Amigos. After a season, it became the Los Angeles Stars before moving to Utah two years later. Uh, and the team found immediate success after the move, winning a title in nineteen seventy-one, its first year in Utah. The Stars folded in 76, along with the rest of the ABA that wasn't absorbed by the NBA. The Utah Stars. I don't even remember. Well, I was pretty young at the ABA Basketball League. So, it, uh, But they'd folded in 76. The ABA closed in 76 and was absorbed by the NBA. Utah Stars. It's interesting how they... Uh, how these names have, uh, how, how the, the, the teams have moved on to other cities and changed their name and stuff like that. I think that's it's, it's always been kind of a fun thing. All right, how about this? The Montreal Maroons. <laughs> Montreal Maroons, NHL hockey from 1924 to 1938. They won two championships. Uh, the Montreal Maroons were one of the first dominant franchises in the NHL. The team made the playoffs in 11 of its 14 seasons, winning two championships. Despite the success, uh, the Maroons struggled financially, largely due to the Great Depression. Uh, The team fell under the same ownership as the Montreal Canadiens, and the owners decided to fold the Maroons as their crosstown rivals were more popular with the French-speaking population. That's a great name, especially for a hockey team. The Maroons. <laughs> um, ah, the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, the Winnipeg Jets. They were with the WHA and the NHL 
from 1972 to 1996. They won three championships. The Winnipeg Jacks were one of the most successful teams in the former WHA, winning three league titles. The Jets were buoyed by a uh, hockey icon, Bobby Hull, who were among the first teams to bring European players to North America. Uh, the Jets were one of four WHA teams to join the NHL after the WHA collapsed in 1979. However, they did not find the same level of success in the NHL. The Winnipeg Jets, a small market franchise, lacked a modern arena and struggled with escalating player salaries and operating costs. The team eventually moved to Phoenix in 1996. you got to love the Winnipeg uh, Jets. Yeah. What a great name for a city, too, Winnipeg. Yeah, man. Canadians, you know. I've never been to Canada. I really want to go. You've never been to Canada? No. I've just, I've, it's never been, it's never come up. My girlfriend's been to both uh, Vancouver and uh, Toronto. Yeah. uh, With her family. I've never been. Uh, I've been there a bunch of times. Um, Two times to go see the Hawks. Okay. Play the Leafs. How how deep into the Great White North have you gotten, or is it just pretty much like Toronto? So just t- Toronto and, and surrounding areas. Yeah, I've never gone way up. I want to go to like Saskatchewan. We'll bring a coat. I plan on it. <laughs> I'm going to charter a guide, and we'll go into the wilds of Saskatchewan. They like their hockey up there. That they do. They really do. Both times I went up to see the the Hawks play the Leafs, they got killed. And we're there. My, you know, my friends and I are there wearing our sweaters. We got Hawks signs and stuff. They were not ha- the the crowd was not having it. I can't imagine. I can't. <laughs> well, at least you weren't in like French Canada. I hear no, but they yeah. I mean, even in Toronto though, man, they're hockey. They they take their hockey pretty serious. They get mean when it comes to hockey. Oh yeah, no, you don't play around. Homie, don't play that. Yeah, I mean, if you you you've never been to Canada, if you go to Canada, don't wear a Hawks jersey. Let me just let me just tell you that right now. <laughs> let me just tell you that right now. I'll try to blend in. I'll wear, you know, Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like maybe a flannel and some overalls yeah, or something. Yeah, that'll work. They'll Let's they'll reinforce t- they'll every stereotype that we have. I'll just walk everywhere with a hatchet. Did you ever see the movie Canadian Bacon? Yeah, yeah. Very funny movie. Very underrated movie. John Candy's in it. Dan Aykroyd's in it. It's a it's Canadians. A, yeah, they're because they're Canadians. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, here's Duke on WGN. Go ahead, Duke. Yeah, Nick, a couple of teams you might have not thought of. One was in, uh, the New York Cosmos, a soccer team. Okay. And then uh, your mentor, Mr. Roy Leonard, was the play-by-play or color commentary years ago with the when they won the two championships with the Chicago Sting. Yeah, no, I know. It, Chicago Sting, was it, Roy was a huge soccer fan. Yes, he was. Yeah, and all all of his all of his boys played soccer. All of yeah, them. Yeah, and then and yeah, he we loved his soccer. And then the uh, Tom mentioned about you guys mentioned about the Chicago Rush. It was also before the Rush that one time was the Chicago Bruisers arena uh, football team. Uh-huh. And what I think Tom was thinking of was when they kicked off or tried for an extra point, the ball could go. You'd miss the nil uh, upright. The ball would back bounce off the screen. And the guy could catch it and then take off running to see if he could get a touchdown. Okay, that's weird. 
That was back in the Arena Football League. All right. Okay. All right, Duke, thanks. You're welcome, Take Nick. care. Chicago Sting. Yeah. They won the championship. I remember the I remember it was a big deal at Soldier Field. <laughs> it was a big deal at Soldier Field. Yeah. And they had there was they were like the first team like professional team in Chicago to win a to win a a, a championship in like you know like a decades. Yeah. And so it was like a big deal. All of a sudden the Sting were yeah, they were the team. You know, it doesn't matter how good, and I'm not. I'm saying this as a fan of soccer. I'm saying this as an absolute fan of soccer. The Chicago Fire could win every MLS championship for the next ten years. I still don't think you could make people really care about American soccer. Oh no, no, no! no. It's and I, I mean that with all due respect because there are some really great guys that play and really great women mainly. Yeah, who are playing the sport here in the states. I don't know what it would take. I don't know if. Oh it no! It's never going to happen. It's never going. It's they, never going to happen. We thought uh, David Beckham was going to play for the Galaxy. No, didn't happen. You've got Bastian Schweinsteiger, one of the greatest German soccer players of all time, playing for the Chicago Fire. Nobody cares. Yeah, you I know? don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to feign interest in soccer. I couldn't oh. care less about it. Uh, all right, more uh, pro sports teams that have disappeared. If you want to jump in, it's 312-981-7200. Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN. You doing this on purpose? I don't know what you mean. Are you aware of how I feel about the Eagles? Have you have you seen? Oh yeah, the, you love them. Right? Have you seen the Big Lebowski? <laughs> because I agree with the dude. You've got ten copies of Hotel California at home, don't you? I I cannot stand the Eagles, especially this song. Give me a break. Do you prefer uh, for Glenn Fry or no? No, Don, not to, not to speak ill of the dead. Um. Don, what's his face? Henley. Don Henley. The the only cool thing about the Eagles is Joe Walsh. Yeah. And I don't even know what the hell he's doing in that band, because he's too cool for that band. The unacceptable face of the Eagles. Oh, God, that band. I saw him <laughs> once at Comiskey Park. We left after the second song. They were the headliners. I'm trying to remember who the backup. I know Pablo Cruz was on the bill. Oh, and Steve Miller. Steve Miller was on the bill. That was the main That's reason why we went. You know, yeah, that was the main reason. Pablo Cruz, Steve Miller? Yeah, and then it was another band, too, and I can't remember what it was. It was one of those, it was like, you know, they would have outdoor concerts in the 70s at Comiskey Park, and they were called the World Series of Rock. And they'd have outdoor concerts at Soldier Field, and of course it would be the Super Bowl of Rock. Then they'd have it at the golf course and call it the Masters of Rock. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing... Uh, Ted Nugent and Leonard Skinnerd. That's a good one. That soldier with 38 Special. This is before anybody knew what 38 Special was, but they were on the bill because they were related to, to Skinnerd. Yeah. And that was that was the last concert before the plane crash. Before the Leonard Skinnerd plane crash. So, and by the way, the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. We're talking about uh pro sports teams that have disappeared and then after one o'clock, we're going to dive into the world of the Mothman. Ooh. 
312-981-7200 is the phone number. Here's Jerry on WGN. Go ahead, Jerry. Hi. Uh, well, you probably, well, I know you're too uh, young to have seen them, but I wasn't. I was a, a 12-year-old at the time in 1946, and I watched the uh, Chicago Rockets play. Uh, they played in Comiskey Park. It was a league that started uh, during the World War II. So many fellows got drafted, and uh, so there was about 12 uh, pro teams at the time. I I think it lasted about four or five years. Uh, the big draw that the Rockets had was a star running back by the name of Leroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, uh, who was a star that came out of uh, Wisconsin. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when he retired from football, he ended up back as the uh, athletic director at the University of Wisconsin. So well, that's for your history. All right. Thanks, Jerry. Okay. All right. Take care. 312-981-7200. What about the Providence Steamroller? They are an NFL team from 1925 to 1931. The Providence Steamroller joined the NFL in 1925 finished just under 500 just twice in seven years and won the 1928 NFL title. The coach of the team was Jimmy Konzelman, who played quarterback and coached the team for four seasons. Quarterback and coach. The steamroller ran out of steam after the 1931 season as fan interest uh, declined because of the Great Depression. How about the Syracuse Nationals? Their NBA basketball team from 49 to 63. Uh, they were a perennial contender in the earliest NBA titles, making the playoffs each year of their 14-season history. The team also won an NBA title in 1955. The Nationals were sold to Philadelphia Native and became the Philadelphia 76ers in 1963. Can you name the Philadelphia 76ers' most uh, memorable uh, player? Most memorable player. Yep. Was it, I'm going to sound like an idiot because the 76ers, they're basketball, right? Yes, they're yeah. basketball. Yeah. Allen Iverson? No. Who? Dr. J. Oh, yeah. Dr. J, man. Dr. J. He was the deal. The real deal. Oh, man. In the 70s? Oh, please. Dr. J. Come Dr. on, man. Dr. Julius Irving. Julius Irving. That's right. He was the man. Did he actually have a PhD? In dunking. <laughs> was he the one that claimed to have slept with like a thousand women or something? No, or no, that's that was um No, that was that magic? It wasn't magic. I can't remember. It was, an, it was another early basketball player. It wasn't Doc I don't think it was Dr. J. Uh, Dr. J was pretty Pretty straight up conservative dude, I think. But that's that that's the godfather of the dunk right there, is Dr. J. He was the he's he's the guy who he didn't I don't know if he invented it, but uh uh how about the Kentucky Colonels, ABA basketball from sixty eight to seventy seventy six. Uh, the Kentucky Colonels were one of the marquee franchises in the Maverick American Basketball Association. The Colonels featured dazzling guard Louis Dampier, who had more points and assists than any player in ABA history. Also, high-scoring forward Dan Issel, 
and intimidating center Artis Gilmore. Oh, Artis Gilmore was on the Colonels. Right. Colonels won most games of all time in any team uh, in the NBA, ABA. And when the two leagues decided to merge in 76, the NBA would only take four ABA teams, and the Colonels were not one of them. We still figured out who slept with a thousand women? Yeah, it was uh, Wilt Chamberlain. That's right, Wilt Chamberlain. Listen, he was a lifelong bachelor and became notorious for his claim having had sexual relations with as many as 20,000 women. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. You did, like, do the math on that. Yeah. He, he died age 63. Wilt Chamberlain. He was tall. <laughs> <laughs> this just in, basketball player, tall. Yeah. Uh, the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, NFL team from 1924 to 30, 31. They played in the Frankfurt section of Philadelphia. They were an amateur football squad that built a reputation as a regional regional powerhouse. How about the Providence Grays? They were a National League uh, baseball team. 1878 to 1885 they played. The Rock Island Independents. They were uh, uh, an APFA and an NFL football team from 1920 to 25. Zero championships. The Rock Island Independents were founded in Rock Island, Illinois. Ottawa Senators, nineteen seventeen to nineteen thirty-four. Before the current iteration of the Ottawa Senators came back from Canada, back to Canada, the first version of the team was an NHL powerhouse that won four championships in the twenties. Was hit hard by the Great Depression in the thirties. Ottawa was. Not large enough to support a professional hockey team, so the owners moved the Senators to St. Louis and renamed them the Eagles in hopes of keeping the team alive. The Eagles continued to bleed money and folded after one season in St. Louis. The Houston Arrows. WHA hockey from 72 to 78. The Houston Arrows were one of the premier teams in the now defunct WHA in the 70s with a roster that included all-time hockey great Gordie Howe and his two sons. The Arrows won back-to-back league championships in the mid-'70s. And then finally, the Canton Bulldogs. Canton, Ohio is the home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and also once home to one of the greatest early pro football teams, the Canton Bulldogs. All right. Here's Joe on 720 WGN. Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing? All right, what's up? Hey, uh... I had these old ABA cards, and there was the San Diego Conquistadors. Oh, sure. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Conquistadors. All the guys had afros and, like, porn star mustaches. Sure. The that's the, that's, that, that, was the, that was the style back in those days. Yeah, you, you, had to, you had to have a, a porn mustache to be a conquistador. Yep. All right, that's thanks, hilarious. Joe. Take sure. care. You know, Procol Harum's got a song called Conquistador. So it's, it's a really good song. All right. I believe it. Yeah, Procol Harum. Procol Harum's good. Conquistador. And it was recorded live with a full orchestra. It's a very cool song. That was the 70s. <laughs> Maybe I should bring the mustache back. I got rid of it for a while. You did have one, didn't you, for a little while? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible either. Yeah. Then I can play for the Conquistadors. That's right. That's a prerequisite. 
Uh, Jeff Walmsley is going to join us after the news. Mothman, the facts behind the legend, and Mothman behind the red eyes are two of his books, and he runs the Mothman Museum. We all love the Mothman. And we're going to talk about that legend after the news. All right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are um, live in the uh, Skyline studio here uh, until uh, 4 o'clock. And uh, it is a uh, Thursday morning. And uh, we got uh, some uh, other expensive mistakes we're going to be talking about. Uh, how to make money over left leftover beanie, baby. <laughs> beanie babies. <laughs> oh, beanie babies. And some... Uh, Stupid legal defenses coming up. And uh, the greatest sports teams that disappeared. 312-981-7200. Right now, I'd like to welcome to the show Jeff Wamsley, um, who is the author of Mothman, the facts behind the legend and Mothman behind the red eyes, and founder of the Mothman Museum. We're going to find out about, uh, we're all going to find out about the Mothman legend and, uh, and uh, and all about the museum. The museum is in uh, West Virginia. It's nice to it's nice to talk to you. Uh, tell me about yourself. Where are you from, and all that? Well, I, you know, I'm from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. You know, that's that's uh, you know the home of the Mothman, pretty much. Um, born and raised there. Uh, pretty much, you know, spent my whole life in this area. You know, um, and you know, went to high school in Point Pleasant and. And uh, local college, uh, have a degree in uh, art, and I've you know been a musician, played guitar since I was fifteen, and and uh, you know cut a couple albums, opened up a small chain of record stores in the late eighties uh, called Criminal Records, mm-hmm. and and then Napster came along and <laughs> stomped it into the ground. <laughs> And, you know, I, I, I kind of went back and I thought, well, you know, I've, I've got a degree in art, you know, so I started, you know, uh, substitute teaching a little bit. And uh, and that turned into uh, a, a master's degree. Uh, I teach a uh, graphic design now, you know, when I'm not doing a museum, and, yeah. uh, which is a full-time occupation, you know, in itself. So, you know, I've, I've, I've been able to do some really cool things. I mean, you know, and, and and had a good time, you know, with, like I said, the record stores and the museum and, and the music and and all that. So I've been pretty pretty lucky as far as being able to to do what I like to do. Yeah. You know? Well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, when did your your interest in the Mo- well? I mean, obviously you're from West Virginia, so you've probably heard mm-hmm. about you probably heard about the Mothman for most of your life. When did your right. your interest in the Mothman really take off? You know, when I was five years old in 1966 is when all this started happening. So I really don't remember a lot from from back then. But when you know, I got in junior high, high school, and I, I somebody had a copy of uh, John Keel's uh, Mothman Prophecies book, and you know, I was kind of leafing through it, and I started seeing some of these names, and I thought, well, you know, that's our that was our neighbor, 
you know, that, that saw this thing. And, and then I started kind of putting two and two together. Um, you know, and then when I had the, the record stores and stuff with me and my buddy, who, who's also an artist and graphic designer, you know, he came up with this T-shirt, you know, and I put that T-shirt in the store, and I saw, you know, the interest in it and everything. Um, and then as a few years passed, I, I got the idea to, you know, work on a couple books that were, you know, just basically uh, interviews with some of those original witnesses whom I, you know, knew and still know. Yeah. Um, they, were, they were our neighbors, you know. So, you know, I, I had a chance to get an inside line on, on, on their opinions as to what happened. And then, of course, you know, pop culture, uh, Fallout 76 game. I mean, it's it's really just kind of uh, blossomed into this huge yeah. worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. Well, well, let's let's get a primer on uh, on the on the Mothman. Give everybody like the, okay. who the Mothman is, how it happened, and the history of it, and and all that stuff. So we so we're all caught up, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, like I said, it started in 1966, November of 66. And you had two young couples. Uh, two of those people were our neighbors, you know, lived just right down the street from us. And uh, they were up riding around outside of the city limits in a place called the TNT area. And the TNT area was a, a an abandoned uh, uh, explosive site where they used to manufacture explosives during World War II. Mm. Um then when the war ended, you know, the government just pulled out and left all the buildings up there. So, And even today, it's still kind of like a lover's lane type place. You know, people go up and drag race and stuff like that. And they were up there riding around about 11 o'clock at night. And uh, they came up on what they thought was just a man standing in the road. They were getting ready to come back into town. And uh, as, they, as they got closer to it, they, they stated that, it, it was it wasn't a man or it was shaped like a man, but it had wings mm. and it had two distinct red eyes about the size of baseballs and you know they they got close to it, it took off running through the field, went into one of the old power plant buildings, and uh they were a little spooked, they weren't terrified or anything. you know they decided to drive back into town and let somebody know about it. They really didn't want to go to the police department sheriff's department because they knew what would happen you know they figured they'd call them all crazy and stuff. Right. But as they got back out on Route 62 and started coming back into town, it came over top of their car, and that was the infamous, you know, straight stretch right down towards Point Pleasant. They were doing about 90, 95 miles an hour in an old 57 Chevy Bel Air is what they were in, and uh, they, they stated that it, it came over top of the car, wouldn't get in front of the car, and then veered off into a cornfield as they got into the city limits where the lights were and stuff. And that sparked, uh, you know, a year and a half to two years of people seeing this this winged uh, uh, whatever. I mean, you know, there were so many different theories. A lot of people thought it was just a big, like, uh, sandhill crane, like a big bird, you know, yeah. indigenous to the area. Yeah. Um, but others thought it was something a little more than that. Um it uh over a hundred reported sightings to the sheriff's department. And again, even today you talk to some of those people and some said, you know, well we saw it but we never wanted to tell anybody because you know, they would have thought we were crazy and stuff like that. So and then, you know, the the whole thing morphed into, you know, these men in black started showing up to these witnesses' houses and businesses and things like that and kind of uh, you know saying politely let's not really talk about this anymore 
Um, a lot of UFO activity at that time, too, you know, especially in the tri-state area, you know, West Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky. Yeah. So it, it all, you know, pretty much culminated in 1967, December 15th, you know, the Silver Bridge collapsed here in Point Pleasant. Right. So worst bridge disaster in U.S. history killed six or 46 people. So people were thinking, hey, you know, and then uh, maybe something had had to do with the, these men in black or the Mothman sightings, Big Bird sightings. Um, of course, the Mothman Prophecies book came out, John Keel, and it really pushed that, hey, you know, this thing's here to warn people of, of doom and danger and all that. It's it's kind of a mixed mixed uh, bag of, of opinion on that. It, you know, when you talk to locals and stuff, yeah, you know that the bridge fell because it was forty years old and it, it was in pretty poor shape. And uh, you know, fast forward to uh, now, and you know, it's it's pretty much in video games, it's in movies, documentaries, TV shows. Comic books, you name it. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's basically, like what Batman was to me when I was five years old. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's it's a it is it is everywhere. I mean, everybody's heard of the Mothman. We actually had yeah. um, a, a rash of sightings a couple of years yeah. ago here in Chicago. Yeah, uh, I remember. Yeah, and and when it shows up, when the Mothman shows up in different cities, uh, what does that say to you? <laughs> Well, it says that I get a lot of emails. <laughs> I mean, I get a lot of emails and phone calls. And right. Because anytime something like that happens, but, you know, I'm, I'm really not a field investigator. I mean, I don't just jump in my car, take off, and go look for it, you know. And uh, sometimes, you know, I, I get them from all over the world. I mean, uh, places like, uh, you know, Russia, you know, the U.K., yeah. Australia, things like that. So yeah. it's real hard to, to validate and say, yep, that's exactly what people are seeing here. Yeah. Because I can't, I, I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Okay, listen, uh, Jeff, hang on, okay? Okay. All right. Uh, Jeff uh, Wamsley is with us. Um, he is the author of Mothman, The Facts Behind the Legend, um, and the Mothman Museum, which we're going to tell you all about uh, as we continue the conversation here on 720 WGN. White Snake. Nick, did you, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, we are live in the Skyline studio here until... Um, we're here until 4 o'clock. And um, we've got some uh, classic uh, Johnny Carson that we're going to play back. It's uh, the oldest active farmer in America. It's a 1987 interview. Um, I, I love that stuff. It's going to be great. Uh, so that's coming up. Uh, 312-981-7200. Is the phone number? We're going to talk about expensive mistakes uh, and real animals that uh, seem make believe, like really weird animals. And speaking of weird animals, Mothman is what we're talking about. The Mothman uh, is a legend, an uh, urban legend uh, that continues to fascinate people. Uh, Jeff Wamsley is a uh, is a, the author of Mothman: The Facts Behind the Legend, um, and he has the Mothman Museum in West Virginia. And uh, let's uh, say uh, hello again to uh, to Jeff. Jeff, uh, tell me about yeah. the mu- tell me all about the museum. Okay, uh, well, the museum came about around 2006. Um, what had happened was, is you know the the movie, you know the Mothman Prophecies movie with Richard Gere, right, 
was was filmed near Pittsburgh in a town called Catanning. Um, I had made contact with a gentleman there who had collected a ton of the movie props, and he would come to the Mothman Festival, which I'll explain about the festival. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, he, he would come every year and bring all these movie props and stuff, you know, put them on display. And he, he came for three, four years and straight, and people loved it, you know. And then it got to the point where, you know, he was a businessman. He had, uh, you know, just couldn't make it every year. Um, and he felt bad about it because people were expecting him to come. So he, he called me one day and he said, look, I want, I'm, I want to give you all these props. <laughs> I want to donate these props. Okay. And that was, that was when the light bulb went off. And I thought, well, you know, I've still got a ton of fixtures from my record stores and things like that. And I said, you know, it would be cool to have a museum and, you know, a world's only Mothman museum. Yeah. And, uh, that's how that came about. And then of course I had collected tons and tons of archives, uh, like handwritten police reports, um, all kinds of, you know, pop culture items, you know, posters, artwork, uh, a lot of rare stuff that people just didn't know existed. And a lot of that, that stuff came from Linda Scarberry, who was one of those original people in the car that first night. She was our neighbor. Yeah, okay. And, uh, she passed away about six years ago, but she came to me one day. As a matter of fact, when I had the record store, she came in with a box and set it down in front of me. And she said, I heard you're working on a book. And, you know, it was the first book, Facts Behind the Legend. I yeah. said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She said, and she said, I want the story to be told the way it really happened, not the way the movie's going to portray it. Because people had caught word that they were going to put the movie out and all that. Yeah. And I opened the box, and it was just sort of like, you know, these beams of light was coming out of it. Because it was just full of all this stuff. You know that she had kept. She had kept everything. Yeah, and that—that's how the, the first book came about. And a lot of those uh, archives are on display in the museum. But uh, uh, worldwide, people—you know—people come from all over the world to the museum. It—it it, it draws them to uh, you know uh, Main Street. You know, um, sure. Tourism is a, is a big thing, you know, for for small towns in West Virginia and and the mountains and things like that. But uh, you know, we get people that come in and they they look at all the props and the costumes and and they'll chuckle. And then we've got people that will come in and stay for four hours and and uh, huh. you know, I, I'm 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 not in the business to convince anybody of anything, but right. right. We pre- we present the stuff. You can come in and decide for yourself. I mean, did it was it real? What was it? Nobody knows. And I think that's kind of the beauty of it, and the fact that there was so many different people seeing it, and it wasn't just four kids in a car. You know what I mean? Um, you had prominent business people, teachers, all kinds of people seeing it, but just nobody really knew what it was. Right. You know? Right. Well, what did you think of the movie? I thought the movie was pretty cool. I mean, I think a lot of the people in Point Pleasant were expecting a Jeepers Creepers type thing, you know? Yeah. They were expecting something to jump on the car and rip the, the hood off the car, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, you know, it was a it was a mental thriller. I mean, you know, you had to watch it for... And, you know, I still watch it to catch things that I didn't even notice before. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it really opened the floodgates. I mean, you know, when I knew when that movie... I caught wind of that movie about a year before... It was released, and I knew that, you know, what was going to happen. Um, 
you know, you, you can't pay for that kind of advertising. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when Richard Gere says, you know, the guy says, where did they see it? And he says, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. He says that, I think I counted like 15 times. <laughs> and, you know, I thought, you know, this this is it. You better get ready. You know, it's interesting because in the, the, you t- you talk about that. It all goes back to um, the November of 1966 with the Silver Bridge disaster, and then the but uh-huh. the, and the movie ends with a bridge disaster at the uh, at, at the end. Was that was that sort of like a, a take on the silver on the Silver Bridge disaster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, the the, the Mothman sighting started in November of 66, and the bridge fell in December of 67. Oh, okay. Oh, 67. So you, you, had, okay. you had almost. Uh, you know, a year of, of all this going on. Uh, you know, the movie took a few liberties. I mean, you know, they, in the movie, there was only 39 people that died when in reality it's 46. Yeah. Uh, you know, Richard Gere jumps into the crystal clear blue waters of the Ohio River to try to rescue people. That wasn't the case at all. Yeah. I mean, you know, but, and, and you know, people knew that, you know, Hollywood's going to grab it. And, sure, of course. And change things around. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Tons of documentaries, TV shows, and, you know, we've done so many of them. I've actually lost track and <laughs> count of how many shows we've done. And I'll see a show come on TV, and I'll be on it. And, and honestly, I'll, I'll look at my wife and say, I don't even remember doing that show. Because <laughs> there's so, so many of it. It's, 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 it's kind of fun, though, that people are, 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 are fascinated by this, right? It I mean, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've met a lot of interesting people. Um, you know, people come in and, and you know, know me from being on the shows and things like that, which it's kind of hard to get used to that once in a while. But, um, you know, they they come from all over the world. I mean, Australia, you know, Japan, places like that. And, and you know, I... You know, when I was younger, you know, I was I played music. I still play music and stuff. But, you know, I thought I would be touring the world, you know, and you know, I was a KISS fanatic. I mean, that's all I wanted to do. Right. And in a way, you know, it's it's turned into this because it's, uh, I guess, you know, it, it, you get to meet a lot of interesting people and stuff, right. but you don't have to be on the road all the time. You exactly. Know? Now, what, what is it yeah. that, why do you think that so many people in Point Pleasant have embraced the Mothman? What is it about? What do you think? That while they have embraced have, it, yeah, yeah, um, you know they. Even though some of those people, you know, they don't believe it, they just think it was just a bird, you know, or whatever, or just some kids goofing off or whatever. But I think they they realize the potential and and they see that it. it there's a lot of people that come to town, especially during that festival. Yeah, and you know it benefits them. I mean, Point Pleasant has more history than just the Mothman, you know, it was the site of the first battle of the Revolutionary War, you know, right here in Point, that's how it got his name, Point Pleasant from George Washington. Right, right. You know, and, you know, so it's a calling card. You know, people, the kids want to see the Mothman statue, they want to go to the museum, but the parents want to go to Twindley Park, they want to go see where the Silver Bridge was, you know, it's, it's you know what I mean, it's a nice little uh, way to, and I'm not saying it's a tourist trap, but, you yeah. know, um, it gets people to town because, uh, and then you know it, it it benefits a lot of you know the people on Main Street, the different businesses, and yeah. campgrounds, and all that. So it's not a bad thing. I mean, you know, you, you every now and then you'll get somebody that'll it'll be like, you know, I can't believe you know, and 
know, yeah. whatever. But, uh, <laughs> All right, Jeff, hang on, okay? Okay. All right, Jeff Wamsley is with us, uh, uh, author of Mothman, The Facts Behind the Legend, um, and he has the Mothman Museum in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And we'll talk a little bit more with uh, with Jeff uh, right here on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here on uh, WGN on a Thursday morning. Jeff Wamsley is my guest. He is the author of Mothman, The Facts Behind the Legend, and Mothman, Behind the Red Eyes. And he's the founder of the Mothman Museum. You can check out mothmanmuseum.com. It's in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Uh, And Jeff, uh, let's talk about the festival. Tell me me all about the festival. How long has it been going on and what happens there and and all of that for the Mothman Festival? Well, the the festival uh, started in 2003. Um, Myself and a couple of the other, uh, Carolyn Harris, who who, uh, owned a little diner down the street. Uh, You know, we thought it'd be cool to have, you know, some kind of a little get-together every year uh, in September. Uh, the first one we actually did was in November to coincide with the sightings, you know, but then it was, it was too cold. But uh, So it, it just grew and grew and grew. Um, it's turned into one of the biggest festivals in the state. <clears throat> Sadly, we, we can't have it this year. It's yeah. the first year we've ever had to cancel, but yeah. this would have been our 19th year, so next year will be our 20th. Um, you know, it's it's turned into a like a gigantic family reunion for a lot of people. Uh, there's people that's been here every year. We have uh, merchandise vendors, food vendors, food vendors, um, live music. We have guest speakers and authors, and sometimes celebrities. You know, show up. Um, we do guided tours through the TNT area. We do a, a rent a F55 passenger bus. You know, then people. You know, we take them up through the TNT area and, and things like that, yeah. and show them. You know, where everything happened, but. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a Friday evening and a Saturday and a Sunday, and uh, you know, it it draws anywhere from twelve to fifteen thousand people. Wow! Um, you know, right there on Main Street, which is only about a four block area, so you can understand why we couldn't have it this year because of the oh, sure. social distancing yeah, exactly. and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we we were kind of disappointed with that, but you know, it's it's a massive undertaking. Um parking is a real issue. I bet it is, yeah. Because you got that many people. There's one way in town and one way out. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> and uh, you know, uh so but it's like I said, it's it's turned into a really cool event and and people come every year and uh you know, you can go on YouTube and type in Mothman Festival. There's all kinds of videos, kind of get an idea of, you know, um, right. And we never have we never have any problems or anything. That's you know, great. Many people. That's great. Uh, what What are some of the props yeah. that you have from uh, the movie The Mothman Prophecies? Well, we have a lot of the uh, police uniforms that were worn by. Uh, oh, well, Richard Gere, you know, um, his partner Deborah Messing. 
Mm-hmm. She, you know, her, and then um, Will Patton, right? Well, no, it wasn't her. It wasn't her. It was the other one, the blonde-headed lady. I, I can't remember her name. Yeah, but we have stuff like that. We have uh, a lot of um, uh, things like um, um, parts of the bridge, like the big chunks of the styrofoam bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some of the original or the uh, the papers, you know, that they look for their lines and all that kind of stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, like, a test glass that they use for the part in the movie where her head hits the windshield and it, it smashes the windshield in the car wreck scene. Right. Um, just, you know, all kinds yeah. of things like that. That's great. That's um, really great. And it's yeah. uh, mothmanmuseum.com is the website. Uh, right. Can people, like, like, see some of the stuff that you have on the website? Yeah. Yeah, they can see some pictures and things like that. Also, too, uh, you know, right outside of the the museum is the Mothman statue, which is was a, uh, put up in two thousand three. Now we have a live camera twenty four seven on the side of the museum, and it's called Moth Cam, <laughs> and you can you can look at the statue and see all the people that are. I mean, you know, you're up until four in the morning. You can get on there at four in the morning. There'll be people out there by that statue. Isn't and that, is that right? So people just, at, at, at 24 hours a day, people are going up and checking out the Mothman yeah. statue. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And they do strange things. You know? <laughs> I bet they do, yeah. <laughs> moth, get moth cam. You go to the Mothman Museum, and, and uh, there's a link on there to go to the camera. Oh, I'm going to have to check it out. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. definitely have to check that out. Mothmanmuseum.com, check out the Moth Cam. That's that's yeah. that's great. And is the uh, Mothman Museum open? It's it's open year round. Yeah, yeah, we're open year round. We, um, uh, you know, we're open every day of the week. I mean, the hours and stuff are posted on there and everything. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, you know, it's it's like I said, it's uh, it turned into a uh, full time occupation. Yeah. And um, but it's it's cool. I mean, I like I like it. I mean, it yeah. gives you a chance to. You know, be creative, you know, and, sure. and I, I do a lot of the T-shirt designs and screen prints and stuff and things like that. So that's um, cool. Are there are there yeah. any other are there any other West Virginia Virginia legends that we can uh, that we should know about? Yeah, well, there's the Flatwoods monster, the flat, Flatwoods the Flatwoods monster. monster. Yeah, that happened in Braxton County, West Virginia, in 1952. Um, they actually have a little museum there too. Um, and that that's about two hours away from Point Pleasant, but that all happened. The big fireball came out of the sky and hit the hillside, and these little kids ran up and seen it, and it was like this metallic monster type thing. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, and and that's that's the the two, the two big ones are in the Mothman and, and the Flatwoods monster. Um, there's a couple other ones, you know that that I'm not real familiar with, but I know the guy that's got the the uh, Flatwoods Museum and stuff. He actually comes to the festival. He was one of the guest speakers there uh, a year or two back. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you know, they, they're they pretty cool about, you know, what, what, what they're doing and stuff too. Yeah. Now, what do you think it is? Is there something specific about West Virginia that attracts these kind of legends? Well, I don't know if it's the terrain or, or whatever, you know, of course, you know, we're right on the Ohio river and point pleasant and everything. Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, 
you know, there's there's so many different factors and and all that. You know, the, the whole deal with the Mothman sightings and the TNT area. You know, it was a it's a perfect scenario for any type of a mystery. Yeah, yeah. You know, because the TNT area is a lot like Roswell. You know, during World War II, you couldn't just drive up there and look around. It was it was quarantined off to the public. That was a top secret uh, operation. So that brings the the military conspiracies in. You know, people thought, well, maybe they were up there experimenting around with something, and something went wrong, and it got loose. You know, right? Um, I've heard about every theory that you can think of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Nah. They were actually green berets up there flying around with those jet packs <laughs> on their back, you know. I uh, heard it was actually a local homeless guy with a trench coat that would flop the trench coat open and jump on the car, you know. Yeah. So, wow. All right. So uh, what, what do you think in the future? We're going to see more Mothman sightings, you think? Do they continue? I think so. I mean, you know, like I said, I get emails. It's pretty much almost daily. I get people that come in the museum and, and tell me stuff, you know. Um, so I, I think, you know, as long as it's in the public eye, which it, it's not going to go away. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with all of the, like I said, the pop culture, the, the video games, you know, the, the Fallout 76 game is based on the state of West Virginia. The museum's actually in it. You can actually oh, is that right? Is that right in the video game? That's that's great. Yeah. yeah, you can walk into the museum and look around. <laughs> you know, and they they pretty much prototype the museum. Wow, you know, it's it's got the awning out front and all this and that, and you know, and of course, I you know, I I don't play video games. And one of my students came to me one day and said, "Hey." You know, I seen your old logo on that new Fallout seventy six game. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he said, you better sit down because you know. And I said, is this a good thing? And he said, yeah, it is. <laughs> so yeah, wow. You know, all it's right. nice to have students that know what you know all that pop culture stuff. You exactly. Know? So are you, the the two books that you wrote? They're are, they're still available, right? People can get them. Yeah, yeah. You can get them from the Mothman Museum. You know, there's a a gift shop on there, you know, you can directly order them and stuff. And, um, I, you know, there's bookstores all over the country that have it. Okay. Have them. All right, cool. Moth, so. Mothman museum, uh, dot com. And, uh, right. yeah. And I, I just think it's so, I just th- think it's so cool. By the way, my, my ex-wife, um, the Mothman prophecies, she was terrified by that movie. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, I hear that from a lot of people. Oh my God. It scared her. So she thinks it's the scariest movie ever made. Really, I hear that from people. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's a mental deal. You have to, like I said, it messes with your head, and and um, you know, you watch some of it, and and uh, it, it, it's yeah. I mean, that movie's almost eighteen years old. Isn't that amazing? God, that was a long. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, John, uh, Jeff, uh, thank you so much. Uh, okay. And the books are available, Mothman, The Facts Behind the Legend, and Mothman Behind the Red Eyes. Books are available. Right. You can check out mothmanmuseum.com and check out the Moth Cam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to check out the Moth Cam. I love the whole, yeah. I love the whole Mothman uh, legend. I think it's just great. Thanks so much for joining us, Jeff. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a good evening. Bye. Okay. You too. Jeff Wamsley, uh, you got to love the Mothman. You gotta love him. He's the Mothman. <laughs> it's a really creepy movie too. It is just a really creepy film. 
So I thought they did a great job with it. Um, it's out there. You, you can see it. It's in the ether. All right. Uh, it's Nick DiGiulio here on 720 WGN, and we'll be back. Hello, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. Coming up at 2.30, classic Johnny Carson. It's an interview with the oldest active farmer in America from 1987. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, stupid legal defenses. And uh, now, real animals that seem make-believe, but they're actually real. If you've ever ever come across a very weird animal, 312-981-7200. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newser. All right. I want to check out that Mothman Museum. Got to get in the moth cam. I was just checking out the moth cam. Any activity? Any no. Sightings? Well, there's the, the statue is really cool, though. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's really cool. But nobody was there when I checked. Just a dark street with the Mothman just standing there. Enjoying his mothness. Can you imagine you're watching it and all of a sudden you see the statue just kind of like twitch? Yeah. Or fly away. He just flies away. Flies away. away. (laughs) Um, So we're talking about uh, real animals that seem make-believe. Have you ever uh, come across a very strange animal? Earlier in the show I was talking about how um, um, when I was living with my folks... Um, we had a possum on our back porch. I was coming home and I was walking up the steps and I was like, ah, those things are ugly, man. They wouldn't leave. They're very territorial. Would not leave. So it's just very strange. To come home one night and there's a possum sitting on your back porch underneath your lawn furniture. Well, it's just odd to see any animal that you feel shouldn't be there. You know, you think possum, you don't think city. No. Or or raccoons, too. It's just like you don't think of those being there. And then all of a sudden you're confronted. You're face-to-face looking into the dead, soulless eyes of the American That's exactly what happened. When I came up the steps, I looked directly at him and i was like "Ah." i opened up the back door as quickly as possible and closed it behind me and my folks were in the living room and i'm like hey there's a giant rat out on the back porch my dad's like what so he goes out and looks he's like yeah it's a possum so we tried to get it we tried to get it to leave we threw water on it and it hissed at us It, it, it hissed at us so let me get this straight your solution to getting a possum to leave was to get it, it was I'm, just throw water on it. Yeah. Well, now you've just got a wet, angry possum. Well, I thought you know if we threw water on him, he would like be like, oh well, this isn't fun. I'm leaving. Wrong. You've only you've just soaked him. 
now he, he's now he's like, well, I gotta stand. I gotta stand. My he did ground. stay, and then but eventually he fell off the porch. That's got him. <laughs> Gravity. Yeah. So, uh, weird animals. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. They have a lot of weird animals in uh, in Australia, don't they? Yeah, like big crazy animals. You can get killed just walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got some weird ones here in the states. You ever heard of a? Uh, they call them vinegaroons. You ever heard of a vinegaroon? Vinegaroon. Yeah, a vinegaroon. That's the that's the colloquial name. You find them in the desert. What is it? Uh, the best way I can sp- uh, describe it. Is kind of like vinegaroon. It yeah. sounds like a Dr. Seuss impre- invention. It is as far from that as you can get. It's kind of like the horrible hell baby of a spider and a scorpion, with Ugh. a little bit of like lobster thrown in. Ugh. Yeah, it's essentially a big, freaky-looking bug that has a giant stinger and these. Big long legs and kind of that exoskeleton that a that a scorpion has, but a little bit more, a little bit more agile. They're terrifying, and they've got claws too. They've got these claws on the front. It's called a vinegaroon. Vinegaroon. Who named it? Jim Vinegaroon. It's named. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where that uh, that name comes from. It's also called a whip scorpion. If that that might be a Ugh. little bit better, a whip scorpion. I don't need that. Actually, it was first described by Carl Linnaeus in 1758. So it dates back to 1758. Yeah, that's how far back that goes. Um. All right. Uh, weird animals. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Uh, if you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. All right. How about this one? A uh, a giant squid. I'm looking at the size of this thing. It's ridiculous. Ancient lore is full of multi-limbed sea monsters, such as the Skyla of Homer's epic poem, The Odyssey. Which had twelve feet, six head, six heads, and a bark like a dog. But in 1873, scientists got their first inkling of a real life creature that resembled this one. When a Newfoundlandman, uh, Newfoundland uh, fisherman, caught a large tentacle-laden sea animal inadvertently and sold it to an amateur naturalist, the Reverend Moses Harvey, the giant squid can grow up to 43 feet in length and weigh as much as a ton. What? It has two eyes, a beak, eight arms, and two feeding tentacles equipped with sharp teeth suckers that can prey as much as 33 feet away. Because the immense creature lives deep underwater, humans never saw a living one until 2006 when a research team in the Pacific Ocean south of Japan, managed to hook a 24-foot-long specimen and pulled it to the ocean surface. 
and I and I'm I'm looking at the I'm looking at this thing. There's a guy next to it. It's huge. It's huge. And uh Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of calamari right there. <laughs> that is a lot of calamari. All right. All right, how about uh, the golden lion tamarind? Golden lion tamarind. You probably won't see one as a guest judge on American Idol anytime soon. The golden lion tamarind are the rock stars of the Amazonian rainforest, the diminutive creatures whose bodies can stretch nearly nine inches in length, plus a tail of up to 13.5 inches have a striking mane and lush golden fur, which frames a gray-black face with startling features. Um, These primates, which spend most of their lives in the trees, use their long fingers to climb and swing from branch to branch, snare insects, fruit, lizards, and birds for food. Both genders split responsibility for raising their young, with males sometimes carrying babies on their backs between feedings. As if they were human yuppie dads. What? Unfortunately, these magnificent creatures are critically endangered due to logging and agricultural expansion that are destroying their habitat. They're weird looking. They're kind of cute, though. The golden lion tamarind. Kind of cute. Here's Beth on WGN. Go ahead, Beth. Hi, Nick. Hi. Awesome, awesome, mothy show. <laughs> um, you know, I you're talking about those monkeys. I told Tom I was going to talk to you about the Mormon flies of the Mississippi bridges and the gars that, I guess, float on the bottom. There's like a legend that on the bottom of the Mississippi River, these things have eaten iron workers. But when you were talking about those monkeys... Um, I heard about these monkeys that they go up in the trees and they eat these berries and they get kind of stoned. And then when the monkey falls down to the bottom of the tree, all the other monkeys go and surround it. So nothing bad will happen to it. And I'm like, they are better than humans because, you know, when people pass out in a dorm room, we like draw on their faces and stuff, right? Uh, okay. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying the monkeys are more human than humans. So anyway, the the Mormon flies of the Mississippi River, there's these big dragonflies. Um, they're slimy. They, they only live for 24 hours. They mate, and then they die. But there are, are legends about how they coat the bridges, and truckers have slid off the bridges. Oh, because they're so slimy. No, I'm serious. They're like they're like dragonflies with no faces. Okay. And actually, um, I saw a concert at the Summerfest, and and Mickey Dolenz was crabbing about the Mormon flies, flicking him in the face. I, I, I'm not kidding. Okay. He is such a yeah. All right, Beth. Thanks for the call. Wait, aren't you going to look up Mormon flies or the monkeys that get stoned or? The guards that eat iron workers. 
Uh, yeah, you, you, you already told those stories, Beth. Thanks for the call. <laughs> Jeez. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We're talking about real animals that seem make-believe. Very strange. And I'm looking at some of the pictures of these things, and they continue to be very, very weird. We've got more to talk about here. And if you want to jump in, it's 312-981-7200. Because uh, we were talking about a weird creature called the Mothman. And you can check out the Mothman Museum in West Virginia. But uh, there are real strange animals out there. And uh, <laughs> ooh, the next one we have here is uh, is really, really weird looking. It's known as a water monster. And I'll tell you about the uh, the water monsters coming up. If you want to jump in, 312-981-7200. we got more real animals that seem make-believe that they can't be real. We also have the dumbest legal defenses that people have actually tried. And if you want to jump in at any time, it's 312-981-7200 for uh, real weird animals, if you've ever had any encounters with one. Um, uh, Classic Johnny Carson coming up. We play it at uh, 2.30 every morning. Play some stand-up. Uh, or interviews or a sketch. We have an interview uh, this morning coming up from 1987 with uh, the oldest active farmer in America at that time. Always fun to listen to the Carson comedy classics. Uh, Really weird animals. 312-981-7200 if you want to join us. I've got uh, a few more here to get to. And uh, if you want to jump in on the phones, please call us right now. 312-981-7200. Let's get to the news. West. Love this song. Always been, I was a big fan of Go West. My old buddy, uh, the late great Joe, loved Go West. We Close Our Eyes was like one of his favorite songs of all time. Great band. Hey, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio here until uh, 4. <laughs> you all right, Don? <laughs> I think you just gave everyone listening a heart attack. Um, 2.30 is when we play some classic Johnny Carson. The Johnny Carson show can be seen every night on Antenna TV. And sometimes we play some comedy bits. We'll play some sketches and some stand-up. Uh, this morning we're going to play an interview from 1987 with the oldest active farmer in America. <laughs> Uh, right now we're talking about, what were you going to say? I was going to say, uh, he's from Illinois. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. That'll be fun. Right now we're talking about, uh, real animals that seem make-believe. There's a lot of weird animals out there. Weird stuff, man. Just weird. Can't believe it, but I'm looking at some weird stuff here. If you've ever encountered a strange animal, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. See, here's Beverly on WGN. Go ahead, Beverly. Hi. How are you? All right. What's up? 
Well, you were talking about a possum uh, that looks like a rat. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a rat the first time I saw a possum. I'm calling about a um, animal that's related to the possum, and they're sold in pet shops, and it's called a sugar glider. A sugar glider. It's a marsupial, so they're nocturnal, and many people use them as pets, and they could actually potty train them. They could take them on a leash and go outside and uh, and be able to do it inside their house as well. Um, what's the origin of the name? Why are they called sugar gliders? They're called sugar gliders because of the uh, sweetness. They enjoy sweet, uh, like fruits, apples, uh, cherries, things like that. Oh. And they're a glider because they they can hang all over the place. They have cages. They make them just for them. Hmm. And I understand they're sold in pet shops right now. Wow. Okay. Never heard of that before. It's a really weird-looking animal. It has big eyes, and it's very, very tiny. Okay. All right, thanks, uh, thanks, Beverly. Okay, bye bye. Sugar gliders—they are adorable, though. Are they? Yeah, they're, they they do have really big, really like doll-like eyes, big black eyes. Yeah. Um, but they're 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 like cute. They're like little mice, but they've um, I guess it's got it's kind of like a flying squirrel, you know, when you uh, when it opens its arms. Yeah. It's got f- big flaps. Yeah. That help it glide from tree to tree. I don't know if I'd want one as a pet. Yeah, that seems weird. Seems a little irresponsible, but hey, whatever. That's like somebody having a, you know anybody who has a monkey? Yeah, all my buddies got monkeys. They have monkeys? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they've got, you know, one's got a chimp. Mm -hmm. The other one's. A baboon. A baboon. He's got a, you know, a capuchin. That's my favorite. A capuchin monkey. Spider monkey. Yeah, capuchin monkey like Ace Ventura, Spike. Oh, okay. Spike the capuchin monkey. What about the monkey from Raiders? Oh yeah. Well, he was. Was that monkey working for the Nazis? Yeah, he was. He was a he bad was a monkey. Na- oh my god, he was a fascist monkey. Yeah, he was I, a bad uh, monkey. He was. He was a villain monkey. <laughs> I didn't know that the Nazis traded in uh, exotic animals, but hey. Well, Hitler had that alligator, supposedly. You remember Oh, that? yeah, that's right. We were talking about that last week. Hitler's alligator. Yeah. Yeah. Bad dates. <laughs> <laughs> Raiders. Uh, Trucker Rich. Hey, Rich. Hey, Nick. Yeah. Listening to you talk about the possum on the back porch reminded me of being down in Texas and Oklahoma and the southern states. An armadillo is a militarized armored possum. Yeah. Yeah, and when you hit them, it, it's like hitting a rock. Yeah, don't they Sometimes roll? Don't you, they just roll up? Yeah, and when you hit them, it's like hitting a rock because it just isn't a squish. I mean, I don't try to run over animals, yeah. you know, in the truck, but when you hit one, you know it. Yeah. And then uh, over in the Middle East, those spider, cam- those camel spiders, I seen one that had a body about a about a foot across. And there was no way I was getting near it when I could, when I had an M16 in my hand that was good. Yeah. Uh, so. So it, it, yeah, just shoot it. Don't get near it. Just shoot it. Camel I don't spiders. Like spiders anyway. Camel yeah. spiders. That sounds terrifying. Oh, it's it. They're they're big and they their little hairs are bigger than little hairs, so they're creepy looking. So yeah. an M16 shoots them away. Okay. All right. Thanks, All right. Rich.
Take Bye. care. Not everybody walks around with an M16, though. <laughs> yeah. But if if I'm if I am in a place where I might run into camel spiders, I would hope I have a weapon because these things are terrifying. Yeah, they are. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, we've got more crazy animals that are actually real, but they seem make believe. If you've ever encountered or have any stories about some weird, weird animals, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We are here until 4 a.m. as we are every weekday morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. And then at 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place on the TV side of WGN, get some news and information from those great people. And then the legendary Bob Surratt has your morning drive at 5. 312-981-7200 is the phone number on the Team Hochberg phone line. If you would like to join us, we're talking about some real animals that just seem make-believe, some very, very weird animals. 312-981-7200. All right, how about this thing? A dingiso. What would you just call me? D-I-N-G-I-S-O. Dingiso. Imagine a tiny black and white kangaroo that lives in trees. And you've got the basic description of a dingazo. Hey, I'm looking at one right now. It's up in a tree, enjoying the tree. The animal, which resides in the mountainous rainforests of New Guinea, grows as much as two and a half feet in length. Possesses a long tail, well-developed hindquarters, and a habit of moving both its hind feet at the same time and hop in a hopping gait, just like the bigger Australian kangaroos that we're all familiar with. The dingazo sports curved nails and cushioned pads lined with rough skin on its large feet, which enable it to get a grip on tree trunks and branches where it uses its long tail for balance as it climbs. Like the kangaroo, the female dingaso has a pouch on its abdomen where its young ride as they suckle milk from one of the four breasts. Sadly, their numbers are declining due to loss of habitat, hunters, and low birth rate. It's a weird-looking animal. Weird. You know that's always a, that's always a fun segment on the Johnny Carson show is whenever somebody from the San Diego Zoo shows up. Didn't Jack Hanna used to show up all? It was on? Jack Hanna? Well, Jack Hanna Letterman. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Hanna was on uh, on Letterman. Letterman. He was hilarious. Yeah, no, because I I grew up on Sunday mornings. They would always have you know it has to be educational entertainment for like a certain amount of time. Yeah. Jack Hanna had a show, and I was never I was never an animal kid. Like I thought animals were cool, like whatever, scary ones. But uh, Jack Hanna was always fun to watch. Yeah, he was funny as hell. There were two. Joan Embry was the main one that would be on with Johnny Carson. She was from the San Diego Zoo, and come out with stuff. And it's inevitably, you know, like 
something would pee on his desk, you know, or <laughs> like attach itself to his head. Yeah, or something would go. crawl up on top of his skull. <laughs> you know, um, I really wish that Johnny Carson, if only we could time shifted it or something, where Johnny Carson could have had Steve Irwin on. Yeah, how good would that have been? Yeah, it would have been great. Now his son is uh, does does the talk shows, brings out alligators and stuff. Steve Irwin's son. What about his his daughter, Bindi, the Jungle Girl? Yeah, they're all nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but that was always it was always a great segment, you know, when they would bring out the animals, and you know, Johnny Johnny basically started that. And then every other talk show now has segments where they bring out animals. The funniest is Jimmy Kimmel because he's terrified every time. Every time they bring something out, he's like leaves his desk and just walk, just walks away. <laughs> you remember when uh, the episode of The Simpsons for Krusty had, had his uh, had his talk show? They call this the urine monkey. <laughs> and then Krusty's like. Ugh. Because the monkey's on his head. They call this the urine monkey. (laughs) All right, how about a Komodo dragon? We know these. They're big and crazy and ugly. Uh, In the ancient world and right up through the Middle Ages, people told tales of monstrous giant reptiles called dragons, which sometimes sported bat wings and barbed tails and wreaked carnage by breathing fire. <laughs> but that macabre fantasy creature turns out to be its uh, have a real-life cousin. In 1912, naturalists discovered the Komodo dragon, a lizard from Indonesia that grows up to 11 feet in length. You ever seen one of those bad boys in yeah. person? No, not in person, no. Oh, yeah. Seen one of those things in, in person. Where? In a zoo? Yeah. Yeah, but, like, we got we got in the ring with it i did not saying i wrestled it but we were like within touching distance of a komodo dragon yeah no Ooh, these reptiles are plenty scary in their own right uh they're carnivorous hunters and on occasion they even dine upon humans you were in a ring with one of these things yeah i was a kid too you could have been eaten i could have been but what a great story it would have made oh yeah yeah, that would that'd be a great. We we all mourn the loss of our dear son Tom, who was eaten by a Komodo dragon, which is admittedly pretty badass. Good for him. While they lack fiery breath, they exhale something nearly as deadly—a uh, virulent bacteria, which infects wounds caused by dragon's teeth and causes them to rot and fester. Ugh. So let's not hang out with a Komodo dragon. Let's let's not invite one into this. No. Video. There's a picture here. They, this is a, the one that they have the picture of. Its tongue is, like, hanging out. He's got the crazy little tongue, lizard tongue. And he, he's huge. They're scary. They're big, scary animals. Yeah. Imagine watching Snoop Dogg react to that. <laughs> yeah. Plazanet Earth. Uh, those are, I went down, a, I went down a, 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 a rabbit hole with that one when I discovered those on YouTube. I just I watched like for I watched it for like hours. Just kept oh, watching. There we go. Now he oh, swears sometimes. Don't no no. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> if you've not seen these, by the way, what we're referring to is these were on Jimmy Kimmel's show. And it's just Snoop Dogg reacting to, like, nature footage, you know, of, uh, of animals in the wild. Mm-hmm. And it's hilarious. It, it, it is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I, when I discovered these things, you know, on YouTube, I guess I wasn't watching Kimmel regularly at that time when they had Snoop on. And it's been a while since he's done one. But uh, I discovered him on YouTube, and I just kept watching him over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> All right, are you ready for this thing? What is yeah. what? Is, this thing is is an axolotl. Yep, friend of mine had one of these as a pet. Get out of here! Dead serious. They're really easy to get. It's a. Uh, Known as the water monster and the Mexican walking fish. It's a peculiar but versatile uh, foot long aquatic creature that can use its four stubby legs to drag itself along lake bottoms or else swim along the surface. Somebody you, you know had this as a pet? They're they're small. They're really, really small. That that picture obviously makes it look huge. Yeah. But they're they're like the size of a salamander. Like a really little, like kind of gecko-y sort okay. of thing. Like, like you can hold it in your hand. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It also has a strange lizard-like face with plume-like gills and a mouth that seems to curl into a smile. It does look like it's smiling. <laughs> They're cute little guys. Even so, the axolotl—is that how it's pronounced? Axolotl. Yeah. It's A-X-O-L-O-T-L. You, you couldn't get me to pronounce that either. I don't know how it's... It feeds on aquatic insects, small fish, and crustaceans. It doesn't have a lot to be happy about these days. The fish is indigenous to a network of lakes and canals around Mexico City, but those waters have become so polluted due to urban sprawl. Uh, that a 2013 study of Mexican Mexico's National Autonomous University failed to turn up any specimens after four months of searching. While they do survive in aquariums, water tanks, and research labs, scientists are still hopeful that the axolotls haven't completely vanished in the wild. So many, so, so many stories connected with these weird animals um, are about they're they're almost extinct. So. All right. How about the giant oarfish? Giant oarfish. These are weird-looking things, too. Man. Slithery giant sea serpents have inhabited the nightmares of sailors since ancient times, and it turns out, however, that the real-life creatures that resemble them most closely are the giant oarfish. Actually, it isn't a snake, but rather a large bony fish in the sea. The rare creatures, which are found in tropical and temperate waters at depths of as low as 3,000 feet, have shiny silvery bodies, bright red crests on their heads, the toothless mouths, which are uh, to suck up and filter small fish, shrimp, and other invertebrates. Uh, Relatively little is known about the fish, which probably only come to the surface when they are injured or dying. Therefore, marine scientists were excited when, in October of 2013, the bodies of two oarfish, including a 14-foot-long female with 
uh, ovaries full of eggs were found off of the Southern California coast. And they provided precious opportunity to study these elusive animals. Giant or fish. All right. Okay, we got more weird animals. And if you've seen any or encountered some strange animals, you want to jump in. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Phone lines are open right now. Okay, we'll take a uh, little break here, and then when we come back, more from uh, the Johnny Carson Show. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show every night on Antenna TV. And uh, we've got an interview with the oldest active farmer in America from 1987. Right. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're going to get back to our conversation about uh, real animals that seem make-believe. And if you've uh, got any weird animal stories, we'd love to hear from you at 312-981-7200. We also have uh, some of the dumbest legal defenses that people have actually tried to talk about uh, here on WGN, here till 4 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. And... uh, Every weekday morning at around 2.30, we like to play back some clips from the classic Johnny Carson show. And you can watch the Johnny Carson show uh, on uh, Antenna TV every night. And we always like to play back uh, some clips, you know, some stand-up, some comedy bits, sketches, and some interviews and stuff like that. So right now we're going to play back an interview from 1987, the Johnny Carson show, of the oldest active farmer in America. I hope that uh, Orion and Max are listening. Mr. Heaton, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. You look remarkable. Are you really 97? That's what to tell. That's what I go by. <laughs> well, you look great. Must be must be the uh, must be the climate in Illinois. Well, it could be. Did I pronounce the town right? Is it Toulon? Toulon. Toulon, yes. Illinois. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the only city in the United States with that name. Well, I didn't know that either. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, somebody told me when we first invited you to the show, you you, you didn't want to come on. No. Really? No. Why not? Well, I'm scared to death. Well, you shouldn't be. <laughs> you, you shouldn't be scared. You've been through 10 or 12 world wars. I mean, this... Well, I'm kind of getting composed. Well, just just relax here. Just yeah. pretend you're back sitting uh, sitting on the front porch and we're talking. And, oh, and nobody's watching. Yes. Okay? Thank you. What, what made you change your mind to come on the show? Well, I tell you, a lot of my friends know Johnny Carson. Uh-huh. They said if I had a chance to get on Johnny Carson's show, I'd be on. So? So... I reconsidered. Maybe they had good judgment. Well, good. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you, do you catch our show very often? Oh, occasionally, say. No, but you can be honest. Uh, yeah. I, well, I'm honest with you. Yeah? I, I'm a, I go to bed early. Yeah. How many, you see, you how, how many times would you think you'd seen the show? This show? Yeah. Oh, down through the years, that'd be hard to say. Yeah. But, <laughs> I don't think I'd better press this. I'm. <laughs> Anyways, now somebody mentions you, uh, your your local coffee shop. Yeah. There. Is that? Oh, 
Well, there's where the farmers congregate. Congregate. Every farmer has a pickup, you know. Goes down for breakfast. Sure. Yeah. Yes. What so, goes on at the local coffee oh, shop? Oh, I tell you, everything. I mean, politically. Uh huh. <laughs> politically. <laughs> that. You can hear all sides of it. Yeah. What, what, what's the what's the tenor of things out there, huh? What do they think about this? Oh, uh, I tell you, a little bit draggy. A little bit draggy yeah, so far? Yeah, pretty, pretty draggy. You know, agriculture kind of in the dunks. Yeah, it sure is, isn't it? Yes, sir. I never lived on a farm myself. I grew up in Nebraska, but my uncle had a farm, and so I, I know a little bit about farm life. Well, that's great. And things yeah. are kind of tough right now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, well, I've been out for 197 years. 197 <laughs> <laughs> You still actively work on the farm? Yes, I honestly do. My yeah, I, I'm i not far out from the last harvest we had, about yeah. 90 days. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, what kind of a typical day would you have? Well, what time would you get up in the morning? Oh, you don't have to rush. Yeah. You got one. <laughs> <laughs> no hurry, huh? No. Uh, <laughs> well, uh... You get up maybe 5.30, 6 o'clock? Oh, yeah, about 5. Yeah. About 5. You, you, you prepare your machinery, mm-hmm. get ready to go to the field... You do your work out there. And you still go out and... Yeah, I I run the tractor hauling in the grain, uh-huh. unloading the grain. My goodness. Yes. Are you still the boss of the farm? Oh, I, I let my son do the boss, and uh-huh. I do what he says. Really? Yeah. <laughs> How old's your son? Oh, he's 78. Se- Son is seventy-eight. Yeah. Huh? And you, somebody said you've got three other children too. Yeah. H- how old are they? Well, one one fellow is about seventy-five. Yeah. Seventy-eight, yeah. seventy-five. Yeah. Well, the next one is seventy. Yeah. Go down to sixty-five. Yeah. Yeah. Do they work on the farm? No. Oh, uh, what is it with kids these days? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you tell me. You tell me. What? Why? Why did the uh, the younger ones decide uh, not to work on the farm? Well. Well, I tell you, a lot of excitement in the city. Uh-huh. Back 50 years, yeah. 60, mm-hmm. there wasn't any problem then. Yeah, everybody stayed pretty much on the on the family farm, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. But now it's different. Yeah. You've got to go to the city. They've got room on the farm. Yeah. But your but your oldest son still yes. stayed on. Well, that's good. Yes, sir. Is he going to hope to pass it well, on? Well, it's a family thing? farm. Yeah, that's great. That's what we operate, a family farm. Yeah. What, what's been the biggest change uh, since you were a, a young man on the farm? Oh, well, I'd say electricity. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> thought maybe you were going to say the wheel, but... Uh, that was before my time. Yeah, I, I, no, no, I know that. <laughs> well, people forget electricity. I mean, uh, I remember going to my grandparents' home where they didn't know they had the kerosene lamps exactly. sitting around all the yeah. time. Maybe had a few candles around. Absolutely. Yes. So you used to go out there with a, a team of horses. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you, you still use horses at all on the on the Well, or any pleasure horses, riders. Pleasure horses. Uh huh. I don't have any pleasure horses, but yeah. my neighbors do. So they're up and down the line. Yeah. Yeah, horses. So electricity was the big. Oh yes. Yeah. I mean power. Power is what provided it. Yeah. You had pump water for your livestock. Right. You had a maybe a electric kitchen. Yeah. In the home, the lights. Yeah. So that is great. Yeah. But outside lights then. Yeah, nothing to it, huh? No. Yeah. 
You seem in such great health. Do you think it has to do with being raised and, and working all of your life uh, from a young man? Well, I think they just put me together right. <laughs> you ever, you ever uh, have a little drink or something to... Very seldom. Yeah? Very seldom. But just maybe occasionally. Well, it has to be pretty occasionally. Yeah, well, like a holiday or something well, like that? Well, oh, yeah, you have to be social. Sure, yeah. Yeah, sure. Social. Now, you were you were married, I understand, for, for many years? Yes, sir. 60, 64 years. 64 years. Mm -hmm. And you're, uh... That's Your wife passed away some years ago. That, yes. Is that true? Yes. Now, somebody said, now, I, I don't want to get personal, so if this is a too personal a question, would you? Oh, you, yeah? You, you just stopped me, yeah. Go ahead. Somebody, uh, somebody said you have a, a lady friend that you occasionally visit here on, on, on California. Oh, gosh, I visit her more than occasionally. <laughs> That's hilarious. How old's your son? 78? <laughs> it was always it was always great when Johnny had like the real quote unquote real people on the show. It was always great. He handled it so well, and some of the, some of the people the characters were so great. You all remember the potato chip lady, lady who had the collection of potato chips that looked like other objects, and then he pretended to eat one. <laughs> always good stuff, man. Yeah. You can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV every night. It's so good. So, all right. Uh, we're talking about weird animals. These are real animals that seem like they're made up, but they're real. And if you've ever encountered a weird kind of animal, 312-981-7200. All right. How about the Okapi? O-K-A-P-I. Um, if you can imagine a creature that's a cross between a donkey and a zebra and walks like a giraffe, then you got a pretty good mental picture of an okapi. And again, these are all weird looking. Um, the strange looking animal, which is about eight feet long and stands about five feet uh, tall from hoof to shoulder, lives in the dense tropical rainforests of northeastern Democratic Republic of the Congo. It's bizarre coloration. It has a brown body and legs and hindquarters covered with an array of horizontal black and white stripes. Enables it to disappear into the backdrop of dense vegetation uh, and lighter colored rotting leaves on the forest floor. The okapi mimics a giraffe's rolling gait by stepping in, in, with the front and hind legs at the same time on the same side of the body instead of using the legs from the opposite sides, as other grazing animals tend to do. It also has a long black tongue, which it uses for plucking buds, leaves, and branches from trees and shrubs. Sadly, this exotic creature may be in danger of disappearing. A mere 20,000 exist in the wild. These are all, uh, go, you know, these, these are all on the verge of extinction, these animals. It's a strange looking. It's a, it's the I think it's the color scheme that that's weird on this one. It's got like a little. It just it seems like there's a, just a teeny little zebra thing happening in the back part of the legs. The okapi. Does your friend have one of those as a pet? 
Uh, unfortunately, no. No? It's too bad, really. All right. Well, now here we now we now, here we go. Platypus. It's, it's so weird looking. These these the the platypus. They're just a, it's a very weird looking animal. Duck billed platypus. A uh, platypus baby is called a puggle. Did you know that? Do we have the weather coming in? Uh, this semi-aquatic, fur-covered, duck-billed, web-footed mammal that lays eggs seems to have been assembled from bits of other animals. Hailing from Australia, the platypus is about two feet in length and weighs about three and a half pounds. Um, in fact, the platypus is so odd that when English nationalists first obtained a carcass for study in 1799 from New South Wales Governor John Hunter, they worried that it might be a hoax foisted upon them by a mischievous taxidermist. It is a weird-looking animal. you got to admit it. The platypus is a forager that scoops up insects, larvae, shellfish, worms, and gravel from its beak uh, from the mud, with its beak from the mud on the bottom of the streams. It stores its finds within cheek pouches until it reaches the surface and then uses the gravel to mash up the food for eating. A platypus has no teeth. Despite its seemingly awkward design, the creature turns out to be a surprisingly adept underwater swimmer thanks to its webbed feet and beaver-like tail. Ah, the duck-billed platypus. Gotta love them. All right. More real animals that seem make-believe and are just very strange. 312-981-7200 if you want to join us. Uh, I got some weather for you. Uh, an early shower is possible, turning partly sunny and warm with moderate humidity. a high about 86, but cooler near the lake. Tonight, scattered clouds, warm and humid. Um, some haze or fog patches are possible with a low of 68. Tomorrow is Friday, mostly sunny, becoming hot inland and humid. Summertime cumulus clouds will be around, but no rain. High of 91, but mid-80s near the lake. Um, Saturday, dangerously hot by afternoon, mostly sunny, windy, quite hot and humid, gusty winds and a high of 97. Uh, for Sunday, sun and some building clouds, uh, continued hot and humid, scattered uh, thunderstorms are possible, and a high of 96. And for Monday, uh, sun cloud mix, but warm and humid, scattered thunderstorms are possible, a high of 87, but cooler near the lake. It's 69 degrees at O'Hare, 69 at Midway, and 69 at the lakefront. Uh, currently 312-981-7200 is a phone number it's going to be a hot weekend so everybody stay cool all right okay let's continue with our conversation about uh strange animals and if you want to jump in 312-981-7200 we cut through the clutter and there is a lot of clutter by calling on some of the best brightest minds in medicine all day thursday we invite in the professionals from northwestern to answer your questions about your health be a part of it on the rocan show at three this message is brought to you by comed and the better business bureau there's a knock on your door or your caller id reads comed how do you know they're actually with comed and you're not the target of an energy scam scammers are clever they may threaten to turn off your service and ask you to make a direct payment with a prepaid cash card Sometimes, these impersonators ask you to call them back at a different phone number with your personal information. At ComEd, we care about your safety. We want to help you be better informed and avoid being scammed. 
ComEd will never come to your home or business or call you to sell you electricity, ask for your account number or other personal information, ask to see your bill, or ask for immediate payment with a prepaid cash card. ComEd cares. If you think you've been the victim of a scam or suspicious behavior, please call us at 1-800-EDISON-1 or visit comed.com slash scam alert. ComEd. Powering lives. The Midwestern University Eye Institute, located in Downers Grove, is fully operational with patient safety as a priority. The clinic provides comprehensive care at an affordable price, including eye exams for contact lenses, eye diseases, and vision therapy. Pediatric eye exams are available for children of all ages, including those with special needs. They also have a newly expanded optical center. Visit MWUclinics.com or call 630-743-4500. The Eye Institute at the Midwestern University Multi-Specialty Clinic, your family's home for health care. The Sentinel Group sponsors this paid advertisement. Have you or a loved one suffered from pigmentary maculopathy, a serious retinal injury after taking the prescription drug Elmiron? If so, you may be entitled to significant compensation. In 2018, the prescription drug Elmiron was linked to maculopathy, which is sight-threatening and can cause abrupt change in vision, difficulty adjusting the dim light, and difficulty reading. If you are prescribed Elmiron and suffer from damage to your vision, call us now for a free legal consultation. Never stop taking medication without first contacting your physician. 800-811-7331. That's 800-811-7331. Hey, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is our phone number if you want to jump in. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. We're talking about real animals that seem make-believe. Some very weird, weird animals. Uh, And if you would like to jump in, we would love to hear from you at 312-981-7200. Here's Rich on WGN. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, Nick. How are you? All right. Um, River Monster, I don't know if you've ever seen that show. And anything in Australia is crazy, all the animals in Australia. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that earlier, Rich. Oh, yeah, there's, there's just ridiculous stuff over there. <laughs> and check out River Monsters. River Monsters. Okay. Thanks, Rich. Right. All right. Take, take care, care, Nick. You ever see river monsters, Tom? I can't say I have. I want to say that's a, I think that's History Channel? Probably. It sounds like something that would be on the History Channel, right? Hey, is Ice Road Truckers still on? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know if it's still on. My dad loves that show, Ice Road Truckers. I I guess it still is. I had one of the drivers on, on the show. It's amazing that these these guys aren't dead. It's insane. So well, I guess uh, well, it hasn't actually been on air since 2017. But they're showing reruns of it. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like they have any more. It's not canceled technically. I don't think. Well, if they've stopped making new episodes, I guess it's de facto canceled. Yeah, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> uh, more weird animals. Here's uh, Doc on WGN. Go ahead, Doc. 
Nick. Um, well, when I was a kid, uh, I, I grew up in southwestern Michigan um, near St. Joe. Uh, well, actually, I never grew up, but um, we I used to go fishing with my grandfather and my father a lot. One time I was out with my grandpa, and um, we caught this fish. It's called a gar. G-A-R, or an alligator gar is what they're called. And I guess they live in rivers and lakes pretty much around the Midwest and the, and the Mississippi River area. But the thing was six feet long, and it has a really long nose, a snout, and uh, real sharp teeth. And uh, my grandfather caught it, and its head was on one side of the boat, and its tail was flopping around on the other side of the boat when he caught it. And uh, he said, this is a garbage fish. And he proceeded to drag it over the shore, get a stick, put it in his mouth so that his mouth was propped open, and then he threw it back in the water. So I'm sure one less gar to be dealt with. But uh, I guess they're not dangerous, but they sure look nasty. They're very big, and it's a prehistoric fish that lives in the Midwest. So check it out. I don't know if you've ever heard of one of those. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. All right, Doc, thanks. All right, sure. Bye. A gar. You ever hear of a gar? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It actually looks kind of familiar. It does. It has teeth, but it looks more or less harmless. Kind of similar to, it's almost like a barracuda in a way, uh-huh. but less uh, prehistoric looking. Okay. Here's uh, Jim on WGN. Hey, Jim. Hey, Nick. Good show. Thank you. Uh, I was out west out in Wyoming and come across some jackalopes. Not sure if you ever heard of them. Oh or yeah, of course. Yeah, I've heard of jackalope. Yeah, yeah wild looking. They got uh, jackrabbit with uh, antlers. Right. Yeah. The the old jackalope. We got a weird uh, connection there, Jim. Um, what was the, the? We were talking about jackalopes before. Uh, at, uh, we had a buddy that had didn't he have like a jackalope themed wedding or something. No, like that? all my. Oh yeah, your it was your wedding. Yeah. All my groomsmen, we had pictures of jackalopes. What is wrong with you? <laughs> we love the jackalope. What's not to love about a jackalope? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what. It, I don't know how it became that. But we all had pictures. All my groomsmen had pictures. This is my first wedding. All my uh, groomsmen had pictures of of, of jackalopes with them. <laughs> We left one in the church, by the way. We put one up in the in the back room of the church. We hung a picture of the jackalope up after we after the wedding when we left. No, no, it was before the wedding when we came out. When uh, the groomsmen and uh, and I came out at the beginning of the wedding, we left one behind. We left a picture of a jackalope in the in the back room of the church. Wonder whatever happened to that picture of the jackalope. What do you have against jackalopes? I don't have anything against jackalopes. Not that they don't exist. They're jackalopes. You you keep saying the name. Was that so, is supposed supposed to mean something to me? Yeah, <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> uh, how about the devil bird? In Sri Lankan folklore, a woman whose child was murdered by her husband went mad and ran off into the jungle to commit suicide. After her death, the gods transformed her into a creature called a Ulama, or devil bird, whose horrible human-sounding wail in the distance is the portent that something terrible is about to happen. But is it a real animal? 
In the 1950s, uh, orientologist George Morton Henry, author of a definitive volume of The Birds of Sri Lanka, decided that the devil bird actually was a spotted-bellied eel owl, eagle owl. This predatory bird, which is also known uh, as the forest eagle owl, is found in a swath of South Asia stretching from India to Burma. It's about 21 inches in length, has heart-shaped spots and prominent black and white ear tufts that give it a suitably eerie appearance. But people who are fearful shouldn't worry because it eats only game birds and reptiles and fish. It's a weird-looking thing, though. I'd kind of freak out if I saw this thing and I was walking through the forest and I saw a devil bird. And then, of course, we finally have the Tasmanian devil. Um, some might think the Tasmanian devil is a fictional character cooked up by imaginative animators from Warner Brothers Looney Tunes shorts, but it's actually a real animal, which is indigenous to Tasmania, an island in the south uh, of the Australian mainland. The size of Tasmanian devils varies considerably depending on diet, habitat, and age. Large males can grow as long as two and a half feet and weigh as much as 26 pounds. The devil is a stocky animal with brownish-black fur, um, white throat patches, and spots on its side and backside, pink snout, and a big, powerful head and jaw. The latter enables the scavenger to gnaw on the already dead carcasses of wombats, wallabies, sheep, and rabbits, though devils also eat insects, larvae, snakes, and vegetation. Contrary to the cartoon counterpart, the actual Tasmanian devil is a slow, lumbering creature, Not a frenetic whirlwind, though it is known to get loud and rowdy when eating in groups. (laughs) Actually, we actually have some audio of uh, what a Tasmanian devil sounds like. Well, let's hear it. Wow. Oh, can can you believe they got it that accurate for Looney Tunes? It's amazing. (laughs) Um... Despite its fearsome reputation, conservatists uh, are worried about the devil, the devil's long-term survival, because they're threatened to be a contagious. They're threatened by a contagious facial cancer that killed off sixty percent of the population between two thousand and two thousand ten. Man, all of these entries have sad endings, you know. Tasmanian devil in the in the Warner Brothers cartoons that it never spoke, right? No, it would just spin. And it would just, just be like... like blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> I liked him, and I liked Marvin the Martian. Marvin the Martian. Very funny. Mm, yes. Marvin the Martian. Yeah, that's he classic. Good. good old Marvin. Ah, you know, the Looney Tunes were great. I love the Looney Tunes. I still do, man. I still do, as an adult. Yeah. Can you count how many times Bugs Bunny was in drag? It was a lot. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, Looney Tunes, you know, I, I watched them all the time when I was a kid. Saturday mornings. And uh, Ray Rayner would show them. The great Ray Rayner. Every morning before school, Ray Rayner. Well, and then they uh, peaked with the 
1996 feature film Space Jam. Oh, that movie sucked. No, it didn't. It sucked. Looney Tunes back in action is great. It made up for Space Jam, which was terrible. So, but Looney Tunes back in action, which you're five people me. saw, you're hurting me right a, now. Looney Tunes back in action is a great movie. So, okay, we got the news coming up here. Hello. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. And it's freezing in this studio. <laughs> so I always, I always have my sweatshirt, my, my hoodie. I keep it in the office. And I'm wearing it right now. What about your little producer hut? Uh, here in the producer village? It's, it's comfortable. That's not too bad. It's yeah. a little balmy, maybe. Balmy? Balmy. Okay. That's a word I've never... Hang out in here for a half an hour. You'll be fine. <laughs> what, what does balmy actually mean? I don't know. Balmy, like, I believe, like, means like really sort of wet, humid. Oh, of. yeah. yeah. My like sock. it's going to be this weekend? Yeah, no, my... Uh, yeah, it's pretty balmy in here. My socks are soaked. Oh, that's, that's pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever uh, been, in, uh, been in court... I have not, but my brother has. My youngest brother is the only one of us to ever get arrested. What did he get arrested for? He was doing 90 in a 45. Oh, God. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. 90 in a 45. Algonquin Road, if I'm not mistaken. So he's flying down Algonquin doing 90. Yeah. So his his defense, his legal oh, defense. Oh, okay. He's, his defense. This is what we're talking about. Dumbest legal defenses that people have actually tried. We yeah. have a bunch of examples. And if you want to jump in with your <laughs> stories about defenses that you've seen or uh, or done yourself, 312-981-7200. Call us on the Team Hochberg phone line. 312-981-7200. Okay. So my brother uh, played travel soccer. He was coming back from soccer practice. And he claims that the reason that he was going 90 in a 45, maybe a 50, was because he really had to go to the bathroom. He was just, he just had to, he was, you know, he was hurting. He was hurting for it. And, you know, it wasn't the one where you can just stop off on the side of the road, unzip okay. for two minutes, a second, and go back in. Yeah, which so, is also illegal. But Yeah, you yeah. can't do that, but you could probably get away with it. Yes. Um. So he's flying down Algonquin Road. And uh, eventually he gets pulled over. He's like, okay, uh, yeah, I was speeding. I was speeding. Cop, you know, license and registration, this, that, and the next thing. And walks back, comes back, and he says, all right, uh, can you please step out of the vehicle? Now, my brother, who would have been uh, about 18, I think, at the time, 18 years old, gets out of the car and really thinks nothing of it. That's how, that's how oblivious he is. He just gets out of the car. And he still has to go to the bathroom. Well, that's what he claims. Oh, that's what oh, he claims. I, see. I don't believe okay. him. I don't believe him. Okay, but uh, he gets out of the car and he's really thinking nothing of it. Like he's standing there as the cop is like writing stuff down in his in his book, and he's like leaning. He tells me he's like leaning against the car, like casually just leaning against the car, just like yeah, you know, I'm getting I'm getting booked. You know, I'm getting a ticket right now. And he says uh, it wasn't until the cop grabbed him cuffed him and slammed him on the hood of the car that he realized that something might have been going wrong 
<laughs> and he got arrested. He got taken to jail. Because well, what he did, I believe, is a felony. Like, you can get felony speeding. So he, so, so he got arrested for going 90. He got arrested for going 90 in a 45-50. Whose car was he driving? Uh, he was driving... He might have been driving my mom's car. So... So your mom's car was then just abandoned on the road like that when they threw was, him in, in I think they I think they might impound it like they they take it somewhere, you know. They have a guy come and tow it. But uh yeah, he got arrested on the spot and um he he didn't really know what to do. He had no idea what to do. And they wanted to really throw the book at him. They were going to put him on the chain gang for speeding. Mhm. And uh Luckily, it didn't happen because the uh, the judge was like, "All right," because this was, a, I mean, it was there was a court case. Like a DA representative was there, yeah, and it was, <laughs> yeah. it was full on. He was freaking out. My mom was freaking out. She's like, "He is my my son is going to go on the chain gang with and like be picking up trash on the side of the road." Yeah, and uh, you know, the sheriff standing there with a twelve gauge, right? Like, like James Remar. Yeah, like ja- exactly like James Remar. Right, but luckily the judge apparently said to the uh, something to the effect of to the DA officer, like you do realize that there's a provide, you know, there's in the Illinois Constitution and in the Constitution of these United States, cruel and unusual punishment is not allowed. The kid was speeding; it was really bad speeding, but we're not going to put him on the chain gang. Turns him and says, you know, do do you realize that you did something wrong? Do you feel bad? Are you do you apologize? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, all right, 120 hours of community service. Wow. And he did all of that in a hospital gift shop. A hospital gift shop? Yeah, hospital gift shop. Oh. All right. Um, you know, it's funny. When I got arrested, they just left my car there. It was on Montrose. Just left it. Did, was it at least locked? Yeah, it was locked. Okay. Yeah, I had to go back and get it. I had to get a ride from from uh, Oaken. Go get go back and get my car that was left on Montrose. The drive of shame. And then I had to go all the way downtown to get my license unsuspended. <laughs> uh, my dad was in a similar situation to you that day. He uh, he got he got arrested going to get my mom's engagement ring, and she was in the car. Oh, they wow. were getting it resized and everything like that. And he was driving on a suspended license for speeding tickets. Wow. But he deserved, I, he really deserved it. He did not pay those tickets. He was not planning on paying those tickets. Yeah, I had no idea why I was being arrested. No idea. I was also in, so we had, we had court for that. You know, I had to go to court for that. Um, But it, it, it eventually it got thrown out because the cop didn't show up. That's always a great thing. When the cop doesn't show up, when you have like a, a you know, a speeding ticket or something and you, you have to go to court. Cop doesn't show up. You're fine. You just got to pay the court fees, right? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But it's funny because I, I was actually a witness at a trial. Because this is such a weird story. One of my friends, we were sitting in uh, Demetrio's, which was used to be on the corner of Montrose and uh, Central, which is now, I believe, a Walgreens. And we would go to Toots across the street. To have some ice cream and stuff at Toots. So it was Demetrio. Demetrio was on, on one corner, and then across the street was Toots. And we hung out at Demetrio's every night. 
We were there. My friends and I, if you didn't if you didn't know where we were, you just go to Demetrio's and we were there. Hung out there all the time. Ate a bunch of Euros and hung out in the booths and just that was it. It was our hangout. So we're in there one night and a friend of mine is just sitting there, and all of a sudden the back door flies open and a woman comes in uh with the cops and points at my friend who has been sitting there for, you know for a couple hours. Didn't go out at all. Comes on, points at my friend and says, I, I know what you did. And accused him of flashing her. And the cops arrested my friend. The cops arrested my friend. For flashing. For flat. That's what they accused, they accused her of. They accused him of flashing her. That's got to be a really small pool of people that. Yeah, but he was like there him. for two hours. She said, I, I, you know, I saw what you did. And so I, when we went to court, I, I was a witness and said, yeah, my friend was my friend you was were the alibi. He said, well, a bunch of my friends, whoever was there, we were all called in. Did you see this man show his genitals? We just said he was in the restaurant for, he was in the restaurant for at least two hours. So he wasn't, he wasn't there. It wasn't him. You know? Now here's the ironic thing. He goes to jail two years later for flashing. No, no, no. Here's (laughs) the ironic thing. He moons people all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. He got he got, arre- he got arrested for for you know for flashing someone and and I and he he actually didn't do it. The one time, exactly. the one time, he gets accused of showing off. But we were all like, "Wait a minute! Well, you can't take him away." But she was, a, you know, she said she saw him. She was a witness, and the so cops they, had to take him away. Yeah, they got to take. They got to do the investigation. Yeah. That's how it works. Oh man. So anyway, he 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 enjoyed mooning people, and he got arrested ironically for the one time he didn't do it. <laughs> All right, um, we've got some really dumb legal defenses uh, that people actually tried. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. If you have any personal stories, or if you heard of any of uh, some weird uh, defenses, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Nick DeGilio on WGN. <laughs> Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. How are you? We are live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. 312-981-7200. That is our uh, number. And we're talking about some of the dumbest legal defenses that people have actually tried. Um, We got some people who are calling in. Here's uh, Gene on WGN. Hi, Gene. Oh, hi there. Um this wasn't, I'm sorry, a dumb legal defense, but I was um, heading down. I had a brand new car. I was divorced a few years, heading down to Illinois State for my son's first appearance weekend. And I was going 90 miles an hour. You know, I mean, you got a new car, you don't realize. Plus, I was, wait, the police officer coming from the opposite direction pulled over across the grass got behind me, stopped me in the car in front of me. And the police officer came over and said, did you know you're going 90 miles an hour? And my boyfriend at the time, he was from Chicago, and he's like, oh, you're, you're kidding. I said, Gino, don't lie. I said, yes, I'm sorry, I do. But this is my son's first parents' weekend. Um, 
I'm divorced. I've got a new car, and it's late, and and he's going to be waiting outside for me outside of his dorm. This was before cell phones. And the police officer said, as long as you told your tr- the truth, I won't give you a ticket if you promise to go 65 the rest of the way. I'll give that other person in front of you a ticket and let me go. That's I the, did not get a ticket. That's weird. <laughs> that's weird. But I, I, I never lie. I just always tell the truth and yeah. hey. All right. Okay, Gene, thanks. Uh, okay. Uh, here's Trucker Rich. Hey, Rich. Hey, Nick. Yeah. Back in 82 or 3, I was driving over the road, and I was in Texas, and uh, there was a storm going on, you know, a hurricane or whatever you call them down in the Gulf, and tornado was out, and I was out in the middle of nowhere, and they were giving out tornado warnings, but they only give latitude and longitude, you know, and I had no idea where I was at because I wasn't from there, so... I was determined to make it to the next town, which was about five or ten miles away, and I got pulled over doing a hundred in a semi. And as the cop was getting ready to haul me away, his radio, his dispatcher came across the radio and asked him where they were at, where he was at, and he told him. And she says, "Well, you better get out of there. There's a tornado on the ground about two, two and a half miles away from you, kind of heading in your direction." So the cop just says, "Get, let's get out of here." And I says, "Well, do you want to lead or you want to want me to?" <laughs> you know, and it was just. An honest deal here. I was just scared. Yeah. Wow. All right, Rich, but, thanks. Yep. Take care. Have a good one. All right. Here's John on WGN. Hey, John. Nick, I got thrown out of our public library for just looking at a book one time. <laughs> um, I, was kinda, I was lingering around the library, and, and the librarian thought I was loitering unnecessarily. And uh, eventually she called a policeman, and a policeman uh, called me out to his car and he had like a, uh, a ticket gun and he issued me a citation that said I couldn't come in the library for six months. Uh, I don't, I don't understand that at all. Library. How, how is there a time limit on how long you can be in a library? There's no, t- no this librarian kind of had a grudge against certain people. I don't know what, it, I never did anything to her. She, she'd worked as a police dispatcher. And I noticed on a, on a couple other cases that there were a couple other people that came to the library and, and uh, uh, she questioned what they were doing in there, stuff like that they were using somebody else's library card. Oh, okay. You know? All right. Well, that's weird. You got this. So anyway, I had to hire. I had to hire a lawyer, and we had to contact the state ombudsman. And uh, after talking with the ombudsman, he said, "He said, you know, I think they're totally out of out of the line on this, and that that you have the right to use a library if you weren't really doing anything wrong." Right. Gee. Yeah. All right, John. Thanks for the call. <laughs> All right. I'll All right. Talk to you. If I would have been if I if I would have been arrested for spending too much time in the library, I, I, every Saturday I would have been arrested. My uh, my best friend growing up, Dan Long, not the Dan Long that works here. Um, he and I would go see whatever movies were at the Davis. It was always like a double feature, usually crappy. This was in the seventies, and the Hild Library was right there. It's now the Old Town School of Folk. It used to be the Hild Library. Oh wow, really? Yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful building. I can I can it envision was it being the mo- it was the most beautiful library I've ever I've ever been to in my life. Wow. And it had like a um like a balcony that was in a, a, a round circle. Uh-huh. You can look over down down onto the first floor. Mm-hmm. Um and I we were there every Saturday. Every Saturday we were at the at the Hild Library. Mm-hmm. So 
It was a beautiful library. There's now a library that's there's a library in that area right down the street now, which is a great library. It's not quite as good as the Hill, but it's that's the that's the old town school of folk. That's what it is now. So dumbest legal defenses of all time here. You ready for this one? There was a guy suing someone else after a traffic accident and claimed the movement of his arm was permanently reduced. The judge didn't believe him for one minute. Nobody did, really. Then he asked how high he could lift his arm. He grimaced as he painstakingly raised his arm before saying, here. Um, For reference, he lifted his arm about parallel to the ground. The judge gave a slight smirk and asked him how high he could lift his arm before. And the guy says, uh, exclaims, uh, all the way, he puts his arm all the way up and says, here. (laughs) The case got thrown out. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Um, okay, might not be a, a, exactly a bad defense, but when I was going through the legal system with my ex-wife, there was a case before ours between a woman and her son. She was suing him over a bag of cat food. Uh, he took a bag and never paid for for it after he had promised. He was just kind of like, yeah, I never paid her back and I probably never will. What's worse is the judge sounded so casual about it like it was a normal thing for him to hear. I can't believe someone had taken to court over a bag of cat food. <laughs> what kind of food does your little cat like? Uh, well, he gets, what does he get? He gets a little bit of wet food in yeah. the morning. Mm-hmm. He screams at me for it, too. The minute I walk in the door, it's just, just yeah. con- it's constant, mm-hmm. constant. So he, he, like, yells at me until I put wet food in his bowl. And he's got to get the urinary tract health stuff because he's old. Yeah. Not that old, but, like, he's middle-aged. Mm-hmm. For a cat. For a cat, yeah. yeah. He's at that age where he might buy a Ferrari on a whim and start dating a younger cat. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, the rest of it is just more just dry, mostly dry food. Um, I don't, I don't feed him people. I see people feeding... Animals like people food. Who? Why? Can't do that. Uh, it's people food. Yeah, I, I I've done that in the past. Yeah. Um. But uh, the last cat that I had was with my ex, and it was, it was Mister Ruffle, biggest cat ever. And uh, he would go nuts over wet food. Because he he was mostly given dry food because he was he was just so big. Um, but it was very very rare that we would give him wet food because like the food that we were giving him were you know it was it was dry food that was also like low in low in calories and stuff because he was so because he was such a fat cat. Um, all right. Judge says, did you drive through a red signal? Defendant, well, technically I didn't. Judge says, can you explain that? Defendant says, I think it was yellow when I drove through it. Judge says, so you're saying it wasn't a red light when you drove through the intersection. Defendant said, it wasn't me driving at the time, but my boyfriend uh, would have had his license suspended for one more infraction, so I took the fall. Judge says, you understand that admitting to falsely claiming responsibility for this was a heavier penalty than the actual infraction. Defendant says, okay, I was the one driving. 
<laughs> and then the judge says, let the court note the defendant has given in, um, inconsistent testimony and we're postponing this case for further inf- in- investigation. <laughs> All right. We're talking about dumb legal defenses. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. 312-981-7200 if you have a story. People, people have had interesting stories that are getting, getting pulled over. Yep. <laughs> you know, I, I, I one time, um, in my, and of course it was in my, it was in my uh, Firebird. My, uh, my brake lights and tail lights weren't, my brake lights weren't working. So. In, in, instead of getting them fixed immediately, when I would stop, um, I would pull on my emergency. I would pull on my emergency brakes. <laughs> the light would come on the back. <laughs> my grandma got pulled over once because she was driving on the wrong side of the road with us in the car. Oh God! You know what her legal defense was? What? I'm sorry. I thought I was back in Ireland. Oh come on now! Dead serious. She looked. She looked a police officer dead in the face and said, I'm sorry, I thought I was back in Ireland. And I was like, you are going to get taken away right now. Yeah. You're going to be put, they're going to put you in the home. That's nuts. And they're not going to let you out. That is nuts. All right. Uh, I got some weather here. And then we'll come back. If you've got any uh, legal defenses that were stupid that you tried or someone else tried, 312-981-7200. Who is this? Smokey Robinson. All right. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Yeah. Uh, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the uh, Skyline studio here till 4. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place to the TV side of WGN um, and uh, get the news and information from them. And then uh, at 5 o'clock, it's the one and only Bob Surratt. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you'd like to join us. We're talking about some of the dumbest legal defenses that people have actually tried. 312-981-7200. How about this? Lived in a rent-controlled apartment. Very strict rules for eviction for cause, uh, i.e. Nah, a not for non-payment of rent for things like renovations, moving a relative, etc. We didn't object to the eviction. We just wanted the landlord to follow the law, which would have meant paying us $7,000. The landlord refused and gave us a 30-day notice, not 60 as the law requires, and we went to housing court. The landlord actually said to the judge, we understand what the law says, but we don't think the law is fair and we're not going to obey it. <laughs> uh, immediate uh, immediate bad faith ruling. We ended up with the penalty amount triple the original. How about that? What a dummy. Uh, I was a municipal prosecutor several years ago and tried a case concerning a stolen game system. The victim reported that his system was stolen by his ex-girlfriend. So the police went over to the ex-girlfriend's house and asked if she stole the system. She said she hadn't. They asked if she minded if they looked around. She said, of course, come in. Pro tip, the correct answer is not without a warrant. 
So they went straight to their living room, found the system sitting next to the TV. There was a pipe literally sitting on top of the system, so they hit her with a charge of that for that as well. Her defense to the charges, uh, I gave them permission to look for my game system, uh, to look for the game system, and that didn't work. <laughs> so she had she had uh, weed on top of the on top of the game system. I guess that makes sense. A lot of people blow weed while they play games. Yeah, but you don't leave it on top of the game. Maybe you have a like a mason jar, or a, you hide it in your old copy of Candyland or something. A like mason that. jar? Yeah, you put put it in like a mason jar or something. A, a weed pipe in a mason jar? Maybe. You know, you know, you, you don't can, just leave that out. You you know, you can see through a mason jar. You know that. B- paint the mason jar. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do something. <laughs> you know, if I just put it in a mason jar, nobody will be able to see it. Cops come in and go, "Why is there a pu- why is there a pipe in that mason jar?" I, I you can see through that mason jar. God, I wish there was a way I could reach inside that you, mason jar, but it's closed. It's uh, <laughs> I can see it. It's right there. Do you have superpowers? How did you see the the pipe in the mason jar? They teach you that in cop school. Um. Here's Dennis on WGN. Hey, Dennis. How you doing? All right, go ahead. What do you got? Uh, I was about 20 years old, and I had one of those driver's licenses where it was a regular driver's license, but uh, the first offense was regular points, the second doubled, the third doubled, so on and so forth. I was leaving a grocery store that I worked at, and I rode the stop sign going out of the uh, mall area. Then I went down to the corner, and I rolled the stop sign at the corner and went flying up the road, and I thought, oh, geez, I left my shirt and tie, and I didn't want to go back because I was off the weekend. So I turned around, and I came back, and I rolled through the stop sign again, pulled into the mall, went into the store, got the shirt and tie, came back out. I rolled the stop sign again going out of the mall, rolled through the stop sign, and I took off. And there happened to be an officer sitting in the corner in a darkened uh, dry cleaner shop. And I never saw him. And all of a sudden I was up the road, and all of a sudden I looked in my rearview mirror, and there were a set of headlights. And I thought, oh, I just, there was nobody around, and I just, I figured, oh, God, that's a cop. So I pulled, uh, went over a hill and pulled off to the side and waited. And sure enough, I could see his lights flashing, and he came flying over the hill, and he never saw me, or at least he didn't see me at first. And he went by me, and then he stopped, and then he backed up, and right in front of me, and then he came into the, he says, you know how many tickets I can give you? And I said, I don't know. He says, well, I got you for rolling the stop sign three times. I got you rolling the stop sign coming out of the mall twice, and I know you're speeding. He says, uh, let me see your license. And he looked at it and he says, oh, Lord. He says, you know you're going to lose double points on these things. And he says, this is going to end up being a total of about 14, 16 points. And he says, what's going to happen? I said, I'm going to lose my job. I said, There's, I live way in uh, Milwaukee, miles and miles away. And I guess he said he had seen me in the store because the police station was across the street from it. And he looked at me and he says, Dennis, I'm going to put your name on the list. 
And if you get turned out, caught one more time, there won't be any more warnings. And he warned me, and he drove away. <laughs> I saw him about four weeks later, so a month later, in the store, and he came up to me, and I was working. He says, how you doing? And I turned, and I said, fine. Well, he wasn't in uniform. And he says, do you recognize me? And I said, no, sir. He says, how about uh, about four weeks ago on a Friday night? Oh, yeah. He says, well, it looks like you've been driving pretty safely because nobody's been, nobody's seen you driving fast, so keep it up. <laughs> yeah. So let me let me let me just say this: you blew through three stop signs, and the police station was across the street. Well, the police station was about three blocks up across the oh, street. Okay. This was at the corner. All right. I was going to say, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. And he said, "I was going to let you go." Yeah. He said, uh, "It's Friday night. It's eleven o'clock. Okay. Nobody's out around in that area." But he says, "Then when you came back." And you blew through the stop sign to go back into the get your shirt and tie. And then you came out and you blew through all those stop signs. I had to pull you over. Well, yeah, it makes sense. You blew through three stop signs, Dennis. <laughs> that's that's what happens when you blow through stop signs. You get pulled over and you should. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And you just got to do what's called a California stop sign. What does that mean? If you blow through one, just stop twice at the next one. Oh, please. The only time I've ever blown through a stop sign is not seeing it. I will say, they, they can creep up on you. Yeah. You just forget that it, you, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. No, no, no. There are there are some stop signs where you go, wait, what was, what was, what was that? There's a, there's a part of, uh, near my, nearby me, there's uh, Clare, Clarendon Road. That runs kind of adjacent, or it might be it might be Marina, or there's a road that runs kind of adjacent to um, where Lakeshore Drive is, and it's mostly residential, and it's inconsistent with where the stop signs are placed. So they'll be like, yeah, no, two, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, two intersections, no stop sign, and out of nowhere, stop sign. Why? Yeah, there should be if there's going to be a stop sign at every single intersection. Yeah, just have that. It's really frustrating. Uh, um, here's another story of uh, a dumb legal defense. If you want to jump in, 312-981-7200. I was a jury foreman on a criminal case where the defendant was accused of passing bad checks. He wrote a check at a food place. Then across the street, he wrote a check to pay for car repairs. Then he tried to cash a fake check at a bank next door uh, and uh, to that, and everything was on video. He was caught at the bank when they called the police while they were processing his check. So, anyway, at the trial, the defense presented uh, was that he was being persecuted by the system, quote-unquote, because his last name was Cashless. <laughs> Even had his mother testify uh, to how much torment he has endured due, due to that name. We found him guilty in less than two hours of deliberation. We would have been faster, but we wanted to wait for the free lunch. <laughs> you ever had to do jury duty? Yeah, but I, I've never, because you go there and then they sometimes they don't call you. Right. You know. I, kinda, I got exempt from jury duty because 
it, it was in McHenry County where I used to live. And they said they sent me, you know, they send you an initial summons, right? And then you like have to maybe call them or say something if if something's incorrect. So you can't serve on a jury in a county you don't live in. So I told them, oh, this is no, I don't live in McHenry County anymore. I can't serve on this jury. They send me another one. All right, here's when you show up. And again, I told them, no, I can't serve on that jury. I don't live in McHenry County anymore. I live in Cook County. Right. And then they, you know, so they were like, well, you got to show. Too bad. You got to show. And so I show up to, you know, the courthouse or whatever and go through. And they're just like, is all this information correct? Shows me my address, incorrect address. I said, no, this isn't correct. They're like, where do you live? I said, I live in Chicago. I live in Cook County. They're like, oh, well, why are you here? Why didn't you tell us? You can't serve on this jury. <laughs> I, I could I could have died. Yeah. I could have, I, I, my head was going to explode Yeah, from the stupidity. Uh, all right. If uh, you've ever uh, seen someone use a stupid legal defense, we got some more stories of that, and we want to hear from you at 312-981-7200. Uh, weather for uh, today, an early shower possible, turning partly sunny and warm with moderate humidities, a high of about 86, cooler near the lake. Uh, for tonight, clouds warm, humid. Uh, some haze or fog patches are possible, low of 68 for tonight. Um, and uh, for tomorrow, Friday, mostly sunny, becoming hot inland and humid. Cumulus clouds will be around, but no rain. High about 91, but mid-80s, lake shore. And it's going to be a hot weekend. Uh, Saturday, dangerously hot by the afternoon, mostly sunny, windy, hot and humid, gusty winds, high of 97. For Sunday, sun, possible clouds, hot and humid, scattered thunderstorms possible as well, uh, high of 96. And then on Monday, a sun cloud mix, warm, humid, scattered thunderstorms possible, and a high of 87. It is currently 69 degrees at O'Hare, 69 at Midway, and 69 at the lakefront on 720 WGN. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap it up and talk more about uh, really dumb legal defenses that people actually tried to, uh, tried to use right here on 720 WGN. Hello. Uh, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock. And uh, we've been talking about uh, really dumb legal defenses that uh, that people have actually tried. How about this one? Uh, I once fought a speeding ticket, so I remember while I was waiting for my name to be called, I observed and witnessed this case against a lady also fighting a speeding ticket. She was doing 60 in a 25-mile-an-hour zone. I remember thinking, okay, uh, I'm going to study this and check out her defense. Judge says, how do you plead, miss? The lady said, Your Honor, I turned into a vampire at 5 a.m. in the morning. What I think she meant was that she was not a morning person, but I kid you not, straight face and all, she uttered those words to the judge. I wonder what she thought was going to happen. Your Honor, I turn into a vampire at 5 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> oh, man. Here is uh, Steve on WGN. Hi, Steve. Yeah, have you checked out the bailiff on the hot bench? No. 
Come on, you got to do that, man. Uh, okay. We were talking about that before, remember? Yeah, I remember. You were talking about judge shows? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, anyways, me and a buddy were pheasant hunting over here in Indiana in the middle of my family's farm. Uh, get back to the truck. Uh, conservation officer is waiting for us. He writes us a ticket for not wearing Hunter Orange. I said, okay, how much is it going to cost us? He goes, you got to go to court. I'm like, come on, go to court. You kidding? You no, know, you got to go to court. Okay. Me and my buddy go to court. He's my, you know, we're talking. I says, look, I had to take a day off from work. I'm just going to get this done. I said, we were guilty. I'm pleading guilty. And boom, boom, you know, it's over. And he goes, well, I'm, I'm fighting it, you know. <laughs> I said, okay, well, this is going to look stupid, you know. We're, we're both together. I plead guilty. You plead not not guilty. He goes, well, that's whatever, man. I'm, I'm fighting this, you know. I said, okay. We get up there. Lady judge, she says, uh, you know, she, how do you plead? I said, I plead guilty. You know, and he, my buddy's, oh, not guilty. So she says, are you ready to be sentenced? I says, yes, ma'am. I said, I'm just throwing myself on the mercy of the court. I was guilty, you know. And so she says, okay, six days in jail. And I almost fell out of my chair. She said, suspended. But if you get caught doing anything in the state of Indiana and you don't get all of this court, you're going to spend those six days in jail. I said, look, it, it, we didn't have any Hunter Orange on. You know, it was just a, you know, honest mistake. I said, I had the vest in my, in my, my, my pouch, you know, but I just didn't put it on. $150 fine. $150 court costs. A year's probation. I'm like, wow. It cost me three hundred bucks on a year's probation. I got six days hanging over my head. Right, my buddy pleads not guilty. He gets a lawyer. He gets off, but it cost him three hundred bucks. You know, yeah. It's like it's it's crazy. You know, yeah. Well, and I'm talking to somebody. You know, afterwards, she goes, "Oh, well, she's running for uh, for reelection this this year." And I said, "Yeah, okay, whatever." That that was. So, anyways, we're down in Tennessee. Me and two of my buddies. And a girl, and one of the guys locks his uh, his key, locks our keys. We're all in the same car in the trunk, and we're like, "Hi, you know, how do, what do we do here?" You know, so some of the people at the hotel we were at so call the cops. You know, they can get get in the car and everything. So we're sitting there talking to this copper. He gets in the front, but we can't get in the in, in the trunk. You know, so he goes, "Ah, let's go to your room. See if I can, you know." Where's your phone book? You know, we pull a phone book out, hand it to the cop. It's me and a girl sitting there with him. You know, he goes, he starts flipping through pages in his phone book. He gets to a page, and he, me and her both look down at the page, and it's full of reefer. Somebody was cleaning reefer in his phone book, but it wasn't us. You know, <laughs> he starts blowing and and you know, you know, just trying to get the reefer out of the way so he can read the phone book. <laughs> like, whoa. And the guy says, oh, here's a locksmith right here. And he, he writes the number down, puts the phone book back in the rack, you know, under the phone. And we're both just looking at each other like, what the heck just happened? You know? He goes, yeah, here's a number. Call this guy. <laughs> wow. All right, Steve. Take <laughs> okay, care, buddy. See you later. Yeah. All right. Reefer in the phone book. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, a young lady around 20 years old was called up to the stand. The judge asked her why she hadn't paid the $300 fine that he had uh, given her three months to pay. She said she couldn't afford it because she bought a new car. The judge asked her about her new car, 
and asked her about the financing and if she had a, a decent down payment. She said, oh, yes, sir, I put down $1,000. judge says, wow, $1,000? Grinning, she says, yes. The judge banged his gavel and said to the bailiff, take her into custody. The girl, now confused, asked what, what just happened. The judge says, if you can afford a $1,000 down payment on a new car, then you can afford to pay the court the $300 fine. Now you've got three days to lock up to think about it. Ooh, that is a tough break. What? Um, I had a client come in saying that he needed to sue Stu for robbing all his checks, quote-unquote. When I asked him if Stu had a last name, he said no. When I asked him if he knew Stu, he said no. When I asked him what proof he had that Stu was robbing him, he showed me all of his pay stubs. Um, there was a clear monthly deductions by SCU. As soon as I saw it, I knew. I asked, do you have children? He did. I told him, your Stu is SCU support collection unit. They take money out of your check to pay for your child. He left the office insisting that we needed to find Stu. (laughs) (laughs) The moral, just pay your damn child support. Ugh. Uh, I was on a jury once for a civil case against a tow truck company. Part of the evidence was the contract, which the car owner claimed, included uh, her signature being forged. We saw the contract, about five examples of her signature on the other documents. It was obviously not her signature. The driver took to the stand to be questioned. Attorney says, did you sign the contract? Tow truck driver, yes. Attorney, did did she sign the contract? A uh, tow truck driver said, um, yes. Attorney says, when did she sign the contract? Tow truck driver says, after she left with her son. Attorney says, how did she sign the contract if she had left after she left? Tow truck driver says, oh, yeah, I signed it for her. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay. I had a teacher that worked at a major video game publisher, and a guy sued them because a game was bad. The guy suing was a law student, self-representing, and tried to throw the book at the company. The lawsuit kept escalating until both sides wasted lots of time and money. And then as a final stroke, they offered to settle in front of a judge. There, in front of a judge, they put the price of the game on the table in cash and told the guy to take it and stop bothering them. The judge thought it was very fair and told the guy he, if he refused that the settlement, he would be fined. Guy was very unhappy. He spent like $5,000 USD in, in uh, bureaucracy and airplane fare to get there it was $60. So he dropped a ton of money for nothing. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, the uh, morning news is coming up next.